0: You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, one of the lowest-ranking podcasts in the world. World. We heard your demand for timestamps, and we chose to ignore you, just like your high school years. You'll see Jake with a tramp stamp before we start using timestamps. Sexy Tramp Stamp Jake. (laughs) What we're trying to say is, we don't do timestamps, and we never fucking will. I just said the F word. So stop asking, you rat bastard cunts. Cunts. <laughs> Welcome to the Timestamp Free Zone. This is Pop Culture Leftovers. Episode 464.
1: There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about And all that makes us happy like shooting at a wall, brat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids.
0: It's a trap.
1: Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. Today's already been said.
2: Sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I Lion O command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats. Oh!
3: Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian.
0: I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers.
3: The intro's not hard. I mean, really, Joe, it's, I say the same thing. You, just cu- you chime in, I'm Joe, we're Leftovers, and it's, like, it's the easiest fucking thing in the world. Yeah, it's not tough. No, it's not. It's pretty fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, Joe? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing this week, buddy? Eh, you know, whatever. It's fucking Monday. You know? I don't know. Who knows how I'm going to be by the end of the week? I'm feeling all right now. Um,. You know, uh, tomorrow, big day, big day in entertainment. HBO drops the HBO, HBO Max drops the HBO, becomes Max, Joe. This is I think this is going to be like one of those events in people's lives. Like, hey, where were you the day Kennedy was shot? Where were you when we landed on the moon? Where were you September 11th, 2001? Where were you when HBO Max went straight to Max?
0: Yeah, just Max. It's the, the name of the Grinch's dog. <laughs> I think it.
3: They they changed. Uh, is that true? I don't know. It is true. And yeah, it's true. Yeah, yeah. It tells you how long. It tells you how long it's been since I watched the Grinch, or, or cared, <laughs> or cared about Christmas fair. You know.
0: Dude, I see every version of that of that flick every Christmas. Ah, oh,
3: Jesus. Yeah. The original,
0: the Jim Carrey, and now the, the new one. Was that like Illumination or something like that? The animated one?
3: Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I saw that one in the theater, I think. The, I, the only yeah, reason I went... I did, went too. Was, I loved it. It was all right. I saw it... Uh, the only reason I saw it is because Scott Mosier, uh, you know, Kevin Smith's buddy, was working yes, on it. Yes, co-directed yeah. it. Yeah, that's... I wanted to support it because I like Scott Mosier. Anyway, oh, I
0: love the smodcast days where him and Kevin would just shoot the shit and Me get too. into some really fucking wild tangents. You know, yeah. Tusk not included.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's going to Max. I think it's dumb. I think uh, I think Max sounds stupid.
0: It, it does, you know, and and it's like, is it is it really branding that, yeah. that's causing this? Is is that the issue? It's the name.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't, guys, it's just it's just streaming. It's just, uh, I don't want to get into streaming. Uh, Let's not talk about streaming. (laughs)
0: Let's not start on a downer.
3: Jesus. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, we're not alone. Joe, we've got a guest this week. We've got uh, from uh, Podcast Championship Wrestling, we've got Dre Moore. Welcome, Dre hey what it do pcl crew thanks for having me absolutely it's been a while since we had you on uh wanted to get you on for a patreon episode didn't work out but we got you for the regular episode and that's
2: what all, that's all i really care about dre this is a regular oh, yeah. Yeah. regular episode any time to chop it up with y'all is always a good time i mean and i was you've, you've you've you've
3: rised through the the leftover ranks man you've like you you went from just like patreon subscriber to like full-on guest of the show it's crazy yep
2: crazy times we live in dre (laughs) i know right gotta find out who has the title now and i'm about to challenge him at some point (laughs) exactly yeah bringing it back to pcw how's how's the podcast going (laughs) uh it's going good it's going good we um just celebrated one year um a few weeks ago and we've uh settled into a uh regular cast of hosting of just uh myself wayne and andrew doyle we're the uh same three you're gonna hear every week and uh we got another episode we should be doing this coming soon because wwe is cranking out pay-per-views this month they just had one uh earlier this month and i think they're gonna have another one uh, another week so yep it's all going going steady
3: i don't you know i don't watch wrestling like i did when i was a kid but uh i would go to a live event man i would i would probably want to see like i hear a lot of people talking about aew I think that's—I mm-hmm. would like—if AEW came around here, I'd probably want to go see it. That'd be fun. I like going to the live events. I think they're a blast.
2: Yeah, I've heard that. Oddly enough, they, WWE was actually in town this past weekend, but I wasn't able to make it because I had prior obligations. But um, we are trying to make it to WrestleMania 40 next year because that's in Philadelphia, which is where Wayne and Andrew are at. They're in that area. Yeah. So— We're trying to see if we can make it happen next year. See if we can get to WrestleMania.
3: That would be (laughs) fucking cool. Yeah. Try to get, try to get, I don't know. Can you get press passes at like a, something like that? That'd be
2: hard. Um, Probably, but I would imagine you have to be a press of some significance. Yeah. Yeah. You got, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we could just walk up there and be like, Hey, we're three schmucks with a podcast for a year and a half. (laughs) Can we uh, we get some press passes? (laughs) Yeah.
0: You got to sell it harder than that oh man i went uh
3: saturday uh I, it was like a month ago i saw that bobcat goldthwaite was coming to peoria jukebox comedy club so i hit up jake and my buddy uh jake and my buddy dan i said you guys want to go see uh bobcat and uh they said yeah so the saturday went out to the jukebox and uh saw bobcat goldthwaite of uh, police academy and uh uh, police academy fame well i mean set the mm-hmm. set the tonight show uh on fire set that chair on fire yeah. back in the 90s man <laughs> i
0: forgot about that
3: yeah oh i am t- he talked about it. he talked about that a little bit talked about his feud with jerry seinfeld if you don't know about that look it up it's funny um but uh god it best show i've been to at the jukebox by far by far uh went you know saw a I've been out there, seen some local comics in the past. Uh, went and saw uh, uh, Polly Shore and Dion Cole, and uh, but uh, uh, Jake's been to a lot of shows out there. But uh, you know, I've been I've been to a fair share, but not as many as him. But this is by far the best one I've seen. And uh, God, Bobcat fucking slayed. He
2: fucking slayed. Nice. He's an OG of comedy too. Yeah, yeah, he
3: is. <laughs> Oh, man, he was he was slain that night, man. It was really cool. Found out, um, he told us where, he, he, he moved from California to Illinois, so he's living in Illinois. Oh, nice. Yeah, he told us where, mm-hmm. he was cool, and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll be cool, I'll tell you guys where I'm at. And he said, he named the town, and I was just like, holy shit, that's crazy. I don't know why the fuck he would move here but uh man he 's slade if if he 's ever uh in your town or city and putting on a putting on a show at a comedy club go see him i 'm telling you, man fantastic fucking show and um really enjoyed that so um what's his style like is it like bits or stories stories a lot of stories a lot of stories and uh, like he's like uh, he's like he's like i got another story for you trust me it's leading somewhere and then so he would just continue to tell stories Uh, but uh man just fucking hilarious great energy um, the whole night was actually pretty good. They had a host, a second comic, a third comic, and then Bobcat came out and everybody did a pretty good job. So,
2: Yeah. See, that's a good comedy show where you can get a couple of acts yeah. up there and they can actually keep you going through the whole night. And that's kind of an underrated form of entertainment that I don't think people take advantage of enough is catching comedy shows where there's a tour or just somebody at a local club
3: yeah man i used to go to uh the funny bone out in springfield uh it's now donnie b's but i used to go out to the funny bone and just catch like you know just some of the local comics or uh you know like maybe they got a headliner coming out there that i've never seen before just go out there Mm -hmm. and check it out it's a i mean it's just a good way to fucking get those endorphins flowing and get you in a good mood and i mean you know get a few drinks in you and man i yeah It's it's uh, definitely a good you know if you got if you got a lady it's a good date night you know
2: so yeah yeah, definitely I mean my job had a uh uh, um an event recently where they you know like a company event where they had a something at a comedy club for everybody to come out you know see the comic for free or whatever unfortunately I had to cancel I had to turn them down on it and you know deny or you know say that I wasn't going to be able to make it because oddly enough. I was going to another comedy show that same night. Oh, yeah. that I had bought tickets for it was um, it was actually a comedy tour. It was uh, Cedric the Entertainer, oh, D.L. Hughley, D.C. Young Fly. And uh, who am I missing? Who am I missing? Mike Epps.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Nice
2: all four oh, wow. of them on comedy tour and they were happening to be in town the same night as that company function so I was like yep not going to make y'all cuz I'm going to that one
3: yeah you're <laughs> you're seeing like the flagship crew as opposed to like whatever work was going to have you watch so yeah, yeah they were fucking hilarious oh i
2: bet jesus christ all four of them hell yeah <laughs> oh man he even had a fifth guy whose name i can't remember but he opened up for them and even he was funny as hell
3: yeah that's what i like it so every once in a while you'll get like a really good opener and then from that point on it's like anytime you see that guy on tv or hear about him you know it's like you you, you've been introduced to a new comic Uh, you're a new fan of that comic so yeah um let's see here oh uh we got yellowstone winners yellowstone season five winners uh i'm gonna rattle off their names here uh because i didn't get enough people entering this contest uh so ryan bradshaw wins alfredo tostado wins and brandon Olson wins and joe you win because nobody else fucking entered and i win because nobody else fucking entered so we're gonna get copies of yellowstone season five and you can just give it away to a fucking relative i'm gonna give it to my parents for christmas merry christmas (laughs) merry christmas bill and wendy enjoy
0: Winner by default. Yeah, it feels good.
3: Hmm. Joe, we had a uh, we had a, a possible new sponsor reach out to us. I sent you the email today. Oh yes. Yeah. What is it for? Pet? It uh, was it for like animal, like cat, dog joint cream. Yeah, something like that. Kind of like a like Joe Namath's Flexol 454 or whatever the fuck he's fucking. <laughs> right. Here's the thing. I, Joe, I'm not going to respond to the email. Like, Yeah, hold on. Where, where is this? Do you, do you have it pulled up on your...
0: Uh, I'm pulling it up right now, yeah. Okay, yeah, I got it.
3: Yeah, go ahead and read it.
0: Uh, it's, hi. Do you want me to start like the whole thing?
3: Uh, yeah. Fuck it. I'll do it then, Joe. <laughs> Jesus Christ.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just wasn't sure if you wanted me to name bomb the guy at the beginning as <laughs> well. Sure. I'm
3: Pieter. Hi. I'm Pieter, yeah. Hi, I'm Pieter, Affiliate are, are we, Manager. Hi, i are, are we reading this in unison? What's going I mean, on here? Is that happening? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's all yours,
3: buddy. All right. I'm Peter, Affiliate Manager at Your10K, and I wanted to reach out to say that I love your content and would be interested in collaborating. I'm sure he loves our content, Joe. I'm sure he's a huge fan. <laughs> yeah, listens to every episode. <laughs> every episode, yeah. Like, I tell you, where your podcast. I love it when they do that. Like, they they have, like, a... <laughs> that's so dumb i love your your rating system so so unique i tupperware your podcast (laughs) we i get that all the time it's like they listen to one fucking episode or they like read a summary like a summary of an episode i really enjoyed your episode where you guys talked about shang chi and the the ten rings it's like okay i'm sure you did um, we have a new offer at Your 10K called Dr. Rover, and I think it would be a perfect fit for your audience. Dr. Rover's flagship product, Joint Ease, helps pet owners keep their pets happy, healthy, happy, and pain-free into their old age. Uh, we offer affiliates a very competitive commission. Uh, let me know if you're interested. Best Peter. Joe, here's the thing. I will. Uh, man, that's. Listen, I, I just want our listeners to know that, you know, sometimes we get emails about, you know, sponsorships and so, shit like that. And I am not going to pimp something for your pets that I don't know how your pet is going to react to it. Like, imagine that, Joe. We start fucking shilling uh, fucking pet cream and somebody's fucking dog or cat fucking has a reaction to it and dies. Like somebody's, you know what I mean? I mean, I don't know this fucking product
0: yeah no that then that would be the worst case scenario that would be absolutely terrible
3: so i'm because not because who knows what the yeah. heck
0: that is i mean is there strict controls on on things you give your pets for joint pain and I, 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 how do you even know i i don't know anything about this company i don't know
3: nothing about that joint that cream and i sure as hell am not going to experiment and put that shit on my cats to see how they react to it uh to see if it's something that i i think when it comes to to pets and things like that it's like uh you know you've got your trusted names you can go to your fucking veterinarian and ask them i'm sure they can you know prescribe something i'm not gonna fucking pimp something on here and then have something happen to somebody's fucking cat or dog that's ridiculous
2: yeah uh, it has sketch to say the least
3: i think yeah i mean it may you for all i know it could be a great fucking product but on the flip side it's like you know i'm not gonna fucking roll the dice on that one you know
0: Oh, stuff. absolutely! And it's just that's one of those things to where there there's there's no controls on that sort of stuff, and and how how do you even make a claim that your product eases joint pain for pets? It's like are you, are you giving it to Lassie, and then they're barking in code back to you?
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah,
0: so it just it feels like like something where it's like unsubstantiated claims, and you're really kind of preying on the fact that many many pet owners love their pet like a part of the family
3: yeah exactly Uh, yeah exactly that's my whole thing i would hate to give i would hate to you know pimp something that uh somebody started using on their like their, their 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 family pet that they love and then you know the dog doesn't react to it or has like a terrible reaction to it like you know either way either way it's either fucking snake oil and a waste of money or it's something that's gonna you know fucking bother them imagine if it's like oily and greasy and their pet's like licking it off and then it makes them sick
0: yeah
3: and and then their pet starts fucking puking all over the place now they gotta go to the fucking vet joe and pay the veterinarian because of the stupid ass fucking cream that we talked about on a dumb podcast
0: exactly (laughs) who gave you this idea
3: (laughs) oh yeah I got this from this podcast where they talk about fucking Marvel news and sometimes they talk about jerking off (laughs) You know, it's a, it's a, it's a smorgasbord of fucking topics that they, that they cover. You know, sometimes yeah, they talk exactly. about, sometimes they talk about anal sex, you know, you never know what these guys are going to talk about. But yeah, yep. I thought, I thought I would trust them with my pet care this week, not you. <laughs> yeah,
0: why aren't we getting lube sponsors yet?
3: <laughs> what the fuck? You know, shit with all the fuck, we should have uh, analies be one of our fucking uh, sponsors for crying out loud. <laughs>
2: Yep. From flicking the bean to anal cream. Exactly. We got you
3: covered. We got you covered. We're we're your one stop shop for wherever what you want what you want to do with your penis. Whatever <laughs> whatever it may be. Whatever you got whatever you got planned for your dick, come on over to PCL. We'll talk about Marvel and D C and then you know whatever the fuck uh I, so i was i, I was in a, i was in line at the at the grocery store joe uh dre and uh i was wearing my it's a, it's a i got a jujitsu kaisen t-shirt and all it says is jujitsu high school on it and it looks like just looks like like a high school team but it says jujitsu high school on it and mm-hmm. the guy in front of me manly guy looks at my shirt and then he's like, uh, "Oh yeah, you you, uh, you you're in jujitsu." Oh god! Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, listen, it's an anime, guys, and it's about these you know it's about these uh, you know younger kids that fucking join like this uh, organization where they go out and kill demons and shit. It has nothing to do with the with the with the uh, martial arts jujitsu. It's not even spelled the same. It's not even spelled the same. Uh. But me being at a grocery store with this manly man asking me about jujitsu, I'm not going to get into the fact that, oh, no, this isn't. Hi, this is an anime about, you know, kids going around killing demons. I just rolled with it. Yeah, man, I'm in jujitsu. (laughs) Yeah. got my purple belt last week yeah no I, I so i i just i fucking my my brother-in-law actually owns a jiu-jitsu a brazilian jiu-jitsu studio and i've gone out there before and you know you know fucked around with a little bit of boxing i haven't done any jiu-jitsu but i just i was like yeah i go to the strength academy i do i do jiu-jitsu whatever i just fucking rolled with it i was not about to fucking embarrass <laughs> myself in front of this you know a real man joe you know, I should
0: have you should have went full in explaining it, explaining the plot line in detail. I Yeah, I would have this guy. I would have lost him within five seconds. And that's the humor to me. I, I, no, I would have lost this, this, this guy just regrets that he mentioned your shirt.
3: I know that's I did not want to go there. It was uh, it was I, I, I see it going super embarrassing and I didn't want that interaction.
2: <laughs> well, see, that's when you flip it on him. See, when he doesn't understand it, then you look down on him like he's the uncultured one. <laughs> like, have you not heard of this? Expand your horizons. You uncultured swine. And then just walk off.
0: <laughs> you watch cartoons? What the fuck, dude? <laughs> and then he puts
3: me in a rear naked choke, and I fucking pass out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking laid out in the in the uh, Aldi grocery store. Anyway, yeah. So,
0: dude, I was I have a T-shirt story. I was wearing my Sweet Home Alabama shirt over the weekend that Stephen Farshid gave me at C2E2, and my sister from like. 50 feet away, was like, is that a Sweet Home Alabama shirt? And I'm like, oh, I feel so seen. First person who's correctly identified it.
2: That's sad, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, oddly enough, last time I was here, we talked about Reese Witherspoon.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, That's awesome.
3: <laughs> oh, man. I like that meme. It's uh, Reese Witherspoon, Reese without her spoon. <laughs> <laughs> it's the simple dad memes. Anyway, I was thinking of like, uh, and I, I, sh- I was going to ask you guys early in the week and I, I just totally forgot. But I was thinking about, you know, like they, we're going to be talking about reboots uh, one, uh, this week with uh, White Men Can't Jump came out on Hulu. We're going to be talking about it here in a little bit. But uh, I was thinking like, what is a reboot that needs to be made, that should be made? Like they, they haven't rebooted it yet. But it's ripe for a reboot. And like, who would you cast? Because I still think like for as much as people say we don't need reboots, I'll be honest with you. I loved the new Planet of the Apes reboots that came out. And you know, I I, not to say that I'm not a fan of the of the sixties and seventies stuff. I've watched it all. I've watched the 1968 movie. I've watched Underneath the Planet of the Apes. Return of the Planet of the Apes. I've watched all the movies. I watched the television series. I, I loved those. I even read the uh, the Boom Studios comic books that were kind of set in the same you know, world that the 60s kind of established. So I'm a mm-hmm. big fan of Planet of the Apes, and I was worried about the reboots. You know, I'm not talking about the Tim Burton. I, yes, I realize that was made, but I'm talking about the new ones, like with the, with the, the first one and then the two uh, that Matt Reeves directed. Mm. Um, And I think that they were ripe for it. I was thinking about, like, you know, for as much as people are like, ah, why do you stop remaking stuff and blah, 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 blah. I was still thinking there are still some, you know, uh, movies or TV shows that I think are ripe for a reboot. I think there's definitely ones that you should never touch, Back to the Future being one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But let me throw this out there. I don't know if you guys have seen this movie, but uh, John Carpenter's They Live. Roddy Roddy Piper. Oh, yeah. I was thinking if they rebooted it, uh, yeah, Roddy Roddy Piper, Keith David, if they rebooted it, listen to this, get another wrestler in there, get John Cena. John Cena and mm. Terry Crews. Terry Crews takes on the Keith David role.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, John dude, That Cena. would be awesome.
3: Right? Am I not right? And you keep the same like fucking, like, you know, that... Uh, that what do they have like that kind of like uh, bluesy music playing in the background and all that you keep it all there I mean just I, I I think it would be fantastic John Cena in those black glasses.
2: See, I'm not familiar with They Live, so was it more of like a horror comedy type film? It was a sci-fi political
3: thriller. It was and it did have horror like somewhat horror elements in it. It was uh, okay basically it was uh, roddy roddy Piper uh, Piper played like a construction worker, and uh one of the construction sites that they 're on there 's this house and it 's got a box of these these sunglasses. He eventually puts these sunglasses on, and when he puts them on, he sees like these secret messages that are on billboards or in newspapers, and it says stuff like obey it says stuff like stuff that stuff like little reminders. Uh, of like how humans should act um, mm-hmm. and it's basically we've been invaded by aliens unbeknownst to us and they've taken on like they look like us they, but when you put these glasses on you can see who the real aliens are and so oh. there's a scene where he fucking goes into a bank and he's like, you know, I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum. And then he just starts blowing <laughs> away tellers that are fucking aliens and the security guard. That's a fucking alien. And like an old woman who's a fucking alien. But everybody just sees an old woman. You know, it's 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 a fucking
2: incredible movie. And, OK, I could see that now. OK, with that description. Yeah, I, I could see John Cena doing something like that. And, I can see him. Yeah. And there's know like, how, there's know like how you spin it.
3: There's like a, there's like a, there's like a, there's a point in the movie where Roddy, Roddy Piper is trying to get Keith David to put on the glasses to show him. And they have like this bare knuckle fist fight in a back alley. I swear that lasts like nine, ten minutes.
0: Just (laughs) it just goes and goes.
3: And he's he's performing wrestling moves on him. He's punching him and they're going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it is fuck. And both these guys are tired by the end. It is fucking incredible. And man, to recreate that and do that in a different way. I think I think they live is ripe for a fucking reboot.
0: Yeah, in the right hands, that would be amazing to see redone in current day.
3: Yeah, yeah. I could see it. Do you guys have any? Can you think of any off the top of your head? <laughs> Ooh, we... I
2: don't know who I would cast in it, but if just thinking off the top of my head is a property that I think could work for a reboot. Um, it's a movie that came out in the 80s. I'm not sure if you all have ever seen it before. but If you remember Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon.
0: Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. was shown up. Yeah, <laughs>
2: Bruce Leroy. Yeah, Bruce Leroy showed up. I could see that being rebooted, and being successful. I know, um, um, the guy who played uh Bruce Leroy, actor named Tymac. Um, I know he's tried to get something off the ground in years past with no success. Um, but yeah, something like that, I could see being redone m- now. Maybe even. Maybe even redone as like an animated series or something or yeah. as an anime and give it maybe a little bit more lore. Maybe put some uh, – uh, give some explanation behind The Glow or something of that. I could see it working isn't if that, done it, right.
3: Isn't that what they did with Black Dynamite? Didn't they just have like – did they have the movie first and then the anime?
2: No, the Yeah, the movie came out first. Yeah. yeah. And then it got the animated series on uh, on Adult Swim.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Same like same pretty much like, you know, uh, what's his name? Uh, Michael Jai White. Michael Jai White came back yep. and, and voiced the character. Oh, my God. If you haven't seen that movie. Oh, my <laughs> oh
2: Black Dynamite is a classic. <laughs> it's a Dynamite. modern
3: classic. You can't make that movie today. But my God, it is fucking great. Oh, it's so fucking yeah. good.
2: It is such a it's such a well done parody of yeah. those black exploitation films from oh, the 70s. It
3: really is. I would say another one that I, that that could easily be rebooted and, and make a fuck ton of cash would be arachnophobia.
2: Oh, for sure. Yep. I, I would never goes away. <laughs> I wouldn't be there, but yep. It could
3: work. I would be there. Oh, man. Spiders are creepy as shit, man. Oh, my God. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great if they rebooted Arachnophobia. I thought that they were talking about that at one time. Bring it back. They probably were. They probably were. It probably fell
0: out or something. But, uh, yeah. Anyway.
3: Joe, can you think of any?
0: Yeah. I don't know who I'd cast in it, but I'd like to see a reboot of Tango and Cash. I think that's just such a fun storyline. Oh, my God. Tango and Cash.
3: Yeah, who would you get for a new Tango and Cash? Because mm. mm. somebody... they both
0: got to be able to hold their own in a fight. You need one of them to be the good straight man and the other one to be more comedic, but they both need to be lovable and badass.
3: For the Kurt Russell one, I'd get Chris Pratt easily. <laughs> I was just about to say, <laughs> yeah, Chris that's...
2: Pratt would probably be Hollywood's first choice. Yeah,
3: yeah. I think you got to go with Pratt. And I, I, I with the... With the Stallone one, I mean, he played the more kind of, like, straight-laced character. Remember, he was kind of like, yeah, Yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, who would be a good
2: one. Uh, We just mentioned him not so long ago, but John Cena might not be a bad idea. He's
3: not a bad, that's not bad (laughs) at all, man. That's not bad at all, really.
0: I know The Rock would come in and just be The Rock, but he could probably do it, too.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he would basically be The Rock, but The Rock can do comedy. I would. I would, John, I John Cena
0: do. could play the goofball character too in that, though, over Chris Pratt. I would get Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg and, and uh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, I that could that, work.
2: I think it would oh. be a fun movie, man. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, Tango and Cash. Oh my
0: gosh, who's playing Mark Wahlberg's sister? Hmm. I don't know, Joe. I don't know. Mm, I know. I can't think of anybody right off the top of my head either.
2: Yeah.
3: Anyway, let's see here. You guys ready to jump into Good Pop, Bad Pop this week? do it. Yep. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop. Bad Pop! Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our
2: rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party.
3: All right, uh, talking about uh, Fast X or Fast 10, whatever you want to fucking call it. Over many missions and against impossible odds, Dom Toretto and his family have outsmarted and outdriven every foe in their path. Now they must confront the most lethal opponent they've ever faced... Fueled by revenge, a terrifying threat emerges from the shadows of the past to shatter Dom's world and destroy everything and everyone he loves. Uh, It's directed by Louis Leteria from a screenplay from Dan Misao and Justin Lin, who also co-wrote the story with Zach Dean. Uh, It is the sequel to F9, the 10th installment, and the 11th installment overall in the Fast and Furious franchise. Uh, It stars Vin Diesel as uh, Dominic Toretto. Uh, also, Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese Gibson, uh, Chris Ludacris Bridges, John Cena, Nath- uh, Natalie, Emmanuel, Jordana Brewster, Sun Kang, Scott Eastwood, Daniela Melchior, Alan Richson, Helen Mirren, Brie Larson, Rita Marino, Jason Statham, Jason Momoa, and Charlize Theron. And
1: um,
3: yeah, uh, I, I, I was kind of like, I had watched, I remember I watched the first three when they came out. And then I just dropped off the Fast franchise. And um, everybody was saying, like, these movies are different. They've changed. You should, you should watch these. And so I'd say a few years ago, they started to, in, in anticipation of releasing um, F9, I think it was, they started to re-release these movies in the theater at AMC Theatres. Not not just AMC. I think at, at a bunch of different theaters. And all you had to do is they they would give out a code every week and then you'd enter the code in and you could watch these movies for free in, at the theater. And so I started to go back from, from Fast and Furious 1 and go to the theater and watch all these movies in the theater and I had such a blast uh, until I got to F8, uh, which I wasn't the biggest fan of. And then I think... I really did not like F9. Um, and uh, But I was still looking forward to this one. You got uh, Jason Momoa as the villain here in this one. This movie kind of ties directly into Fast Five, which is one of my favorite Fast movies. I would say Fast Seven's my favorite, followed then by Fast Five. And then I, you know, I, you know the first three I love as well. But um, I... I don't really, Joe, I don't know your history with the Fast movies. Are these I don't even know if you watched these. So this movie might have just been fucking weird for you.
0: <laughs> no, I've seen all of them. Uh I remember seeing the first one when it first came out and and I thought it was fun. You know, it's 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 basically Point Break with cars. Uh but but really cool, you know. And it, and it got me excited about high-end cars and stuff. I mean, the movie did what it needed to do. It was entertaining. And then I didn't see any of the rest of them for a while. And then randomly on Scenic Cast, they had me review the Tokyo Drift. And so I went into that not knowing what the fuck was going on. And, and then eventually, leading up to Fast 9, I watched all the rest of them. I just bought like a box set on digital that had like the whole collection and binged through all of them and had a, a lot of fun with, with, with a lot of them. I really liked 5 and 7 as well. Um, I, I enjoyed eight, I think more than you did. I thought nine was a bit of a disappointment. Uh, so I haven't seen a ton of them in the theater. I think nine was probably the only one that I actually saw in the theater. Um, but you know, I mean, hit or miss some of them work better for me than others, but I think as far as action movies go, they're really solid and the, the, the effects and the stunts in them are always top notch.
3: Yeah. And then Dre, you had planned on seeing this regardless if you were going to be on the episode or not.
2: Actually, this one I was not planning to see. Oh, really? Yeah, I was actually was not because uh, for me the Fast franchise has been one of my favorite franchises overall. Like I've seen all of them in theaters except for three. The three I missed in theaters, and I three is my least favorite out of all of them probably so far. That I, I did not like that one at all, and I'll, people can argue with me all they want. Three sucked. And there's a reason why they backed up the brakes truck to bring back the original cast for four onwards. So there's that. But no, nah, I'm I'm pretty much in sync with you for most of the movies. Fast Five was my favorite. Seven is one of my favorites. Eight and nine, I really did not care for at all, especially nine. Also, nine is probably my second least favorite after three. And after that, I really I was so down on nine that I kind of had lost interest in the franchise and was gonna skip 10 this one was being announced and i was like it's it's too much they should have ended it at seven that was the perfect ending eight and nine have been lackluster i didn't have the same hype and anticipation for 10 and i was perfectly content to just wait for it to hit streaming until you invited me on and then i was like okay well i'll go see it
3: okay that being said i want to know like it was this a return to form did dre did you did you like
2: fast and furious
3: 10 did you like f10
2: dude i absolutely fucking loved this movie i'm giving this one in a tupperware i i'm surprised at how much i enjoyed it like obviously this is a turn your brain off movie and you just go in there and just go along for the for the ride forgive the pun but yeah everything I won't say everything about it worked but it absolutely kept me entertained from start to finish. I mean, the stunts, yeah, they're over the top, but that's what you expect. Jason Momoa was surprisingly entertaining for to me because and I appreciated the way he subverted your expectations for his character. Like, you see him in the trailers, you're expecting he's going to be this, you know, ultra-macho, alpha-male type guy, and he subverts that all the way and is really... One of the funniest parts in this whole movie, as as far as just every time he's on screen, he just chews up the scene. It is just hilarious, and yeah, it, it actually. It again, I'm surprised how much I enjoyed it because when I went in there, I was just like, "All right, let's see what they're going to do here," and once it got going, man, I was in it and. This one, as as opposed to 9, one of the other things that I think this movie did well is it did a good job at being self-aware and being meta without being as overtly over-the-top meta like they did in Fast 9. Like, for example, um, as this franchise has gone on and gotten more over-the-top, people have made jokes about, you know, what are they going to do next? What are they going to do next? And the joke going into 9 was that, well, I guess they're going to go to space. And then what happens in nine? Sure enough, they did that, which was meta, but it was also over the top. This one, I won't say what they did specifically because I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but they did one thing in this movie that was real meta. If you're one of those people who's like is in tune with the franchise and, you know, is in tune with like the conversations that happen around this franchise. They did do something in this movie that was very meta, but it was much more subtle. And it was like one of those things where if you don't if you didn't, if you weren't paying attention, you could have missed it. But I caught it, and I really appreciated that. And and also, and there's also been speculation about you know where it could go from here. And I'm back in. I'm here for it now.
3: Yeah, hey, I'll uh, piggyback your uh, thoughts here. I <laughs> I fucking loved it. I told Jake when I saw him. I said, "Dude, they they they've done it. They've they've done it." I I I mean, it's. The last one, I think John Cena was like a bland villain. He had no personality. They brought him back for this one, but they brought him back in a hero type of role. And his personality was, it was like the John Cena that you would expect, you know. And uh, he was fun to watch. And they really made you care about the character this time. He spends a lot of the movie kind of like looking over Dom's son in this movie. And I love the dynamic between him and the kid. And, uh... I like how the group was pretty much separated throughout the entire movie. You had different groups that you were following throughout the film. Um, they brought back a lot of characters. I'm not going to get into some of the 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 major like some of the some of the some of the like there's some there's some there's some cameos that haven't been really like you know they haven't they, I don't want to spoil some of the cameos but man there's mm-hmm. there's some characters that come back in this one and and it's it's there's some fist pump, pumping moments when you see them on the screen again, I thought, uh, I thought Alan richson is a great addition to the cast. I, you know, I, I I'm a big fan of Alan richson I have been for years and he was fantastic. Um, I loved seeing him in this role. And, uh, this is kind of like the, uh, empire strikes back of the, you know, these, these last two fast movies. I know that, you know, Vin Diesel's wanting to make a third, but I we'll see if that happens. I, I, I'm not gonna keep my fingers crossed, but uh I uh I thought the director did a great job, you know, coming in because Justin Lynn left production two weeks after they started and they just kinda dropped this on Lewis. Uh, Leteria, uh, Louis Leteria, and he I think he fucking killed it. I think the action was incredible. They got the same cinematographer that they had for Fast Five because this movie directly ties in the into that movie. You've got Jason Momoa playing Dante Reyes, uh, who's the son of uh, Hernan Reyes from uh, Fast Five. And, uh, yeah, Jason Momoa killed it, man. Way over the top, really funny, and just the kind of silly but also imposing villain that you kind of want to see here. Very over the top, but very fun. I was never bored like you, Dre, not throughout the entire movie. It just kept me entertained the entire time. Mm -hmm. I I like, I, I, it didn't matter which storyline you jumped to. I was, I was entertained. Whether you were watching Letty and Charlize Theron, whether you were watching, um, you know, uh, Ludacris and Tyrese. Tyrese was great in this movie. They really let him shine. He's, his comedy kills. I mean, I'm not a big fan of his in the other in other stuff like the Transformers when he was in that and mm-hmm. you know. But man, when when he plays Roman, he's he's one of my he's one of my favorite characters in the franchise.
2: Yeah, he he works in this one and, and yeah. that. Him and Ludacris back and forth. Their back and forth is just Yeah. It's hilarious all the way through.
3: It's great, man. It's it's really fun. They really let they really let Roman shine in this one, and I had a lot of fun with that. I like the whole like he was the leader for that first mission. And I like, you know, him having mm-hmm. having the cash on him was really funny. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> I you know, and then Jason Statham shows up and it's it's I, I, I enjoy seeing him. He didn't have a lot to do in this one, but I enjoyed seeing him. This is a return to form, man. This is a return to form. I think the last two movies let me down, and I think this is the best one since seven. And I Tupperware F ten. I thought it was I thought it was tremendous. I love the way the movie ended. I love the uh the very last scene. I love the mid-credit scene. I'm very excited for the next movie. And yeah. I'm back in. I'm back in. If they want to, if they want to do uh, F12, if this movie makes enough money, hopefully it does because the production budget on this thing was just insane. It was over three hundred million dollars, so they've got to yeah. make a they, <laughs> wow. And the domestic box office this weekend was not good. It was sixty-seven million. They've made over two hundred million, <clears throat> maybe two fifty worldwide. But uh, and I don't know if there's a lot of competition uh, this weekend. Maybe. Probably Little Mermaid is that coming out this weekend?
2: Um, it'll probably, yes,
3: yeah, it'll yes, de- it is. It'll dethrone it. Um, but um, hope I don't know. I at least we're getting at least we're getting the eleventh movie. But uh, I where it was a blast. I thought the action scenes were just super fun, over the top the the shit that happened in rome with the vatican and the bomb and it was just stupid but <laughs> it was fun and mm-hmm. I lo- and i loved it joe what did you think about uh fast x
0: yeah i i had a blast with this movie just from beginning to end i had so much fun with it like you nailed it at the end there when you said it's just stupid fun and that's exactly what this movie is and you come to this uh a fast movie really for the spectacle and and this one, the spectacle was fantastic, and it also had a pretty good storyline in it. And it is doing its job to set up another movie to come. And so, you know, it, it doesn't have the the cleanest resolution, but I don't think that that matters. Just understanding its place in in this <laughs> universe of movies, that it is setting up pieces to to wrap up the storyline, but. Um I loved it. I thought the action in it was fantastic. All the stunts were good. Uh Jason Momoa, the the bad guy he played in this, it just kept making me think of the Joker. And just cuz he was he was super into chaos and he was very silly and manic about it and uh I I loved him as the bad guy in this. He was he was absolutely magnetic on the screen where it's like this is the sort of villain that you want to pair uh, you know up against Dom and his crew. And I, I love the way that this movie let off. I, I don't want to spoil uh, anything about it, but man, with the stuff that it gives you in the third act, I cannot wait to, to see where it's going to go and where these characters are going to go. If, if maybe we're going to be seeing some returning faces in, in the next movie, I, I, can't, I can't wait. Um, after 9, like, like what you were saying, with John Cena's character, he was so boring in Fast 9. And like he's like the cool uncle in this movie where he's just big smile on his face being kind of a goofball but also a total badass and it is it's it's classic john cena in this movie it's not it's not sourpuss john cena like in like in the last one and uh also loved the fact that they put him in a fox body mustang and they even gave him some dialogue like being like no it's a mustang too <laughs> But my first car I got in high school was a 1983 Mustang with a Fox body. And so that body style has always been near and dear to me. And as soon as I saw him pointed out, I was like, oh, shit, he's got a 5.0. That's that's so awesome. Um, uh, Just uh, all the cars. I mean, all the cars you get in the fast movies are always incredible. And this one was no different. Um, I think it's a it's I think it's a charger. The Vin Diesel's always eventually in. And man, that one was so badass in this.
3: Um, i love I personally love uh, Roman's uh, gold Lambo
0: <laughs> That thing was flashy God though. damn that thing,
3: <laughs> that was beautiful man
0: oh yeah th- this was this movie was just a treat it made me want to go back and, and start the the whole the whole thing over from the beginning and and just go through them again because I'm sure by the time I'd eventually get caught up. I'm, I'm sure it'll be out on streaming.
3: I, I thought the flashbacks and how they tied it in with Fast Five was just brilliant. Just brilliant. It was. It was, it was so brilliant. And showing, like, you know, clips from that movie as well as, like, behind the scenes stuff that we, you didn't see in the movie, but they kind of, like, retconned it into this movie, mm-hmm. I thought was just fucking awesome. I loved how they, they, they. It's like we've been seeing a lot of, like, uh, Star Wars taking like some of the, like their missteps and like trying to course correct them. There was nothing wrong with fast five and still they found a way to make it even cooler. Mm, oh, definitely. <laughs> <Agreed>. <laughs> yeah, and laser. I love
0: that they threw that whole scene in where we got to see the safe getting yanked out of the wall and dragged down through the city again and yeah. the showdown on the bridge. I was so excited to see that all again.
3: Yeah. At this time with different like with characters that we didn't know were involved in that, so it yeah was, exactly it mm-hmm. was it, man this movie is it's it's a return to form this is the this is the this is, it's like it's like they saw it's like they saw the reception to that last movie, and they were like we've got a course
2: correct exactly yeah they they definitely you could tell that they, you can tell that they were aware that people were really starting to sour on the franchise, like the franchise has always been huge internationally but the domestic numbers have steadily just plummeted probably since seven yeah and hopefully like you said Vin Diesel has talked about doing another one I think he's talked about doing another two because I think he wanted this one to be the first in a potential trilogy I don't know if that will happen <clears throat> but at the very least he should be able to get one more and hopefully this movie can get some domestic legs via word of mouth because I'm sure there are a lot of people who are aware of it, but they're probably similar in uh, thinking that this is the way I was, to where they're just like, "Eh, it's gone dumb. It's gone ridiculous. I didn't like the last ones. And, you know, they're just kind of out on it, but hopefully people who do see it and enjoy it can give that good word of mouth and convince some other people to go back and see it to hopefully give it enough legs so that we do get that at least the next one. Cause yeah, the way this one ended absolutely calls for a sequel and, Whenever they announce it, I'm there.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am I am ready for the next movie. I cannot wait. Uh, fantastic cliffhanger. Um and uh cannot wait to see the next one. So um the only thing that the only thing that I, I think they should just like just cross over with Transformers already. I know it sounds ridiculous, but I would be there. <laughs> I would watch it. I would watch it. It'd be Vin- so fun. It would be <laughs> I know some people that are rolling their eyes right now and uh i don't give a fuck i think it would be fun um anyway yeah,
0: don't even make it like tied to like the main series or no. anything just do it for funsies just yeah. for the fans or ty-
2: or or, or go bots you know like what are they doing <laughs> <laughs> hey they doing shit you see ridiculous crossovers all the freaking time why not go for it hell yeah. make it an animated thing yeah. who cares i don't give a shit
3: <laughs> Um, let's talk about uh, Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. that's dropped on Apple TV+. Uh, the film, which incorporates documentary, archival, and scripted elements, recounts Fox's extraordinary story in his own words. The improbable tale of an undersized kid from a Canadian army base who rose to the heights of stardom in 1980s Hollywood. Uh, the account of Fox's public life, full of nostalgic thrills and cinematic gloss, unspools along his never-before-seen be- never private journey including the years that followed his diagnosis at 29 with Parkinson's disease. Intimate and honest and produced with unprecedented access to Fox and his family, the film chronicles Fox's personal and professional triumphs and travails and explores what happens when an incurable optimist confronts an incurable disease uh, with a mix of adventure and romance, comedy and drama, watching the film feels like well a Michael J Fox movie and uh i i watched uh, still a Michael J Fox movie this week and uh a powerful fucking movie man um you know i knew a little bit about Michael J Fox going into this one i knew that like you know he didn't uh, he didn't finish high school to to pursue his uh his acting and i knew that uh, He admitted, like, I think he used to smoke, like, two, three packs of cigarettes a day. He was, like, a heavy chain smoker at one time. Um, Wow. But uh, um, a lot of the stuff I did not know. I did not know about his father and, uh, you know, um, and that relationship that he had growing up. And I, I, you know, I knew that he had done some small things before family ties, but I didn't know that he was kind of, like, on his, like, last legs and uh, selling off his personal um uh, possessions to to stay out there for like one last go at it and family ties was kind of like it was like that last you know hail mary if he's going to make it you know in hollywood and uh, that that show um was a big part of my childhood like when i think of like you know what now is classic tv that i was raised on Uh, family ties was like one of those shows that i would watch when i was a kid and it was his show and they were talking about how it was originally going to be about the parents um and it was going to be their show and then what happens like this young michael j fox he's just so you know magnetic and charismatic and perfect comedic comedic timing comes onto the scene and it becomes his show kind of like with family matters with Julia white like that he wasn't even in the first episode of family matters he like saved that show from cancellation and michael j fox was like he was the star of that show and uh the nbc executive at the time uh, tartikoff didn't even want him to be on the show he they had to fight to have him on the show and he, had, he was in interviews talking about how he didn't want Michael J. Fox to be on the show. He's like, this kid will never make it. He's not a star. He, he's not going to be on Lunchboxes. And then there's a clip in this where Tartikoff pulls out a Michael J. Fox lunchbox signed to him from Michael J. Fox. Kind of like a – kind of like, you were wrong about me. And, you know, you're eating crow now. Um, when it gets into like the Parkinson's and uh, the early diagnosis, I was, I I didn't know a lot about his struggles and I didn't know that he was taking these pills that would give him like this dopamine release that would, you know, keep him from constantly shaking, you know, like twitching and things like that. And they even showed like some of like his scenes from his shows uh, where he's like holding something and moving it or moving a pen. And he's trying to hide the fact that he has like early, Uh, signs of Parkinson's. And, um, and then it gets into his, uh, his marriage. I remember those Ellen episodes on family ties. And I remember when they started dating after the show and then they got married and they're still together and they're a wonderful couple. And, you know, when, when he was diagnosed and, and, and he told her and he was worried about like, you know, you know, them are, are they gonna work because i think about like the the commitment that she has to have to take care of him constantly the, she said she whispered to him in sickness and in health and it was like the most beautiful thing and you can tell like when you're watching this documentary how much love and respect he has for her um it is and you can tell how much she loves him And you get to see his dynamic with his kids, and it's it's great. They're busting his balls. They don't look at him as like Michael J. Fox, the the untouchable Hollywood star. They, he's like you know, the dad that fucking doesn't text them back right away. You know, very funny um, dynamic with the family. I, I could talk about this forever. This is a fantastic documentary. I absolutely loved it. Um, It is an absolute Tupperware. Michael J. Fox is. Uh, just, a, uh, he is a, if you're from Canada, he's a Canadian treasure. He really is an amazing actor. And, uh, man, back to the future is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, family ties was just a great, just like a, like one of those fucking touchstone comedies when I was a kid, it was just, that was, that was one of those shows that I had to watch every week. Um, yeah, this is, uh, this is an incredible documentary, and I'm glad that he made it. And he does all the voiceover throughout the, the entire thing. Um, there's, they, show, they show a lot of like, what he has to do in order to kind of like, just go throughout his day-to-day. Like, he sees somebody for physical therapy. They show him walking and falling down. Um, they show x-rays of like when he's fallen down and he's broken bones and they've got to put pins in his body for him to heal. Like this guy, he's constantly fighting. He's constantly fighting every day. He's fighting this disease. He's trying to live his life. He's still trying to live his life. And he's like, don't feel sorry for me. Don't look at me and feel sorry for me. And it was like, it was one of those things when I was watching this movie and I was watching him fall down. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling sorry for him in that moment. I was like, oh, my God, this guy is This guy's a badass to take this on. And uh, it made me look at it completely different. Because I think when we first heard about the diagnosis and when you see him now, you look at him and you're like, oh, my God, that's terrible. And it is. I, I don't wish this upon anybody, but it's like what you do with it. He can't overcome this. He's got to live with it. But it's like how he's handling it, and he's handling it like a fucking badass. Um. And I tupperware this documentary. Uh, Joe, what did you think about still a Michael J. Fox movie?
0: Oh yeah, I loved this. This was a very powerful documentary, and it it was very moving. Uh, I, I similar to you, I I grew up watching Family Ties and. And Back to the Future is, I mean, to this day, it's still one of my go-tos. I didn't know that he had been diagnosed with this at 29. That was very eye-opening to me. And then he went for so long with only his family knowing about it. And the part in the documentary where, where he's talking about how he would just be popping these pills to suppress the tremors, he'd just be popping them like they were smarties. And... And he would he would work it out so that he would take one before they would do a scene. And and he had some strategies on how to work with it to where he realized if his body was at rest, that's really where a tremor would start in. And so if he had something that he could just fidget with, it would it would kind of work to to suppress it. And so, yeah, it showed like this montage of all these scenes where he's like either checking a watch, fiddling with a pen he just would find some sort of way to naturally work it into what his character was doing, where until it's actually pointed out to you, you don't even notice that stuff. You know, it's just part of just a person being a person. And the way that he worked it into that, I thought was really, really smart. And And it was very brave of him to just carry on and be like, I, I have to keep working. This is who I am. This is what I do. And I don't want anybody to know about this and look at me any differently. And so he kept it to himself for the longest time. Um, the other thing about this documentary, I thought it was put together and edited in a really, really clever way. That It pulls so much stock footage of him from just different roles, dropping different lines, other characters in properties that he was in dropping lines that like reference subject matter, what's going on in the documentary. Really, really smart the way it's all edited together. And also they poured... They pulled a lot of score over Um, the Back to the Future score in this that they used a very, very good effect. Um, I I had no idea about about his marriage and his family life and all that. And I mean, what what a wonderful relationship that that him and his wife have and this beautiful family that they've created together. And you can just feel the the love in that family. And and kind of like what you were saying, Brian, when 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 I first heard about. Michael J. Fox being diagnosed with Parkinson's, it was to feel sad about it. And that's okay to to feel sad about that going on. But when he says in the documentary, like, don't don't pity me, that that's the only thing that would make me feel bad is if people felt bad for me about this. And he is handling it in in a very, very fantastic way. I mean, think about that,
3: man. Think about that. Walking is like. What a challenge that is. Like, look at what he goes through, man. Like, there, yeah. you cannot deny his fucking mental fortitude at taking this on every day. You cannot deny. Like, this guy is a fucking fighter.
0: Absolutely a fighter. I mean, to 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 deal with that level of hardship to where it's like you trying to make your body do something. Your brain is telling your limb to do this action that you've done thousands of times over and you should be able to do but that connection just doesn't get through and and how it'll work on him where he'll be walking. And then all of a sudden his leg will just lock up and just down he goes. And into he's got to have that fighter's spirit to be like, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm not going to pound my fists in the ground and say, why me? Why, why does this happen all the time? I'm just going to get up and I'm going to just keep going. And this was, this was a beautiful documentary it's powerful. It's beautiful. I, if if you love Michael J. Fox, which it, i I think the vast majority of the people in the world that have like experienced his his art, if you've watched Back to the Future, I, how how can you not love Michael J. Fox? It was part of his his appeal, is the the guy is just so fucking charming and so lovable. And and even in his old age now, and seeing him in this state, it it's still there, man. I mean, the guy is just he's still just got this absolute energy about him and it hasn't been diminished one bit this was i fucking loved fast Axe news an amazing thing to see in the theater but this documentary was my favorite thing we watched this week yeah and if if you have apple tv plus this is something you should not sleep on you should you should watch it it's it's beautiful don't get absolute tupperware for me
3: don't get upset because we're not mentioning his entire filmography yeah i love teen wolf yeah i love frighteners I mean, I mean, (laughs)
0: Frighteners is so fucking good. Underrated movie. Underrated
3: movie. I fucking love Frighteners. Um, The Peter Jackson movie, too, isn't it? Yes. Uh, You know, Doc Hollywood. I remember watching Doc Hollywood. (laughs) Yeah, Doc Hollywood. We watched that. What what was it? Uh, Eighth grade field trip. We watched that on the charter buses on the way back and. There's a scene where a girl gets out of the water. and You see, you see <laughs> That's her. The bar- first thing
0: I was gonna say. Yeah. You, you were s- in what grade? And you got to see Full Frontal on a school trip.
3: <laughs> yeah, eighth grade, and we got, and we were just like,
2: yeah. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I remember it was the '80s back then, or late '80s, early '90s. They ain't, adults didn't give a fuck about kids back then. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. Hey Dre, what did you think about uh, Still? Um yeah, I echo everything you guys said. This thing is an absolute Tupperware. Um there was a beautiful film and this film is everything that Michael J. Fox is to his fans. It's it's sweet, it's endearing, funny, and it's honest. Like everything that you all you guys have already mentioned. He does not hide the disease at all in this film. There's the scene in the beginning where he um him and his uh his uh, physical trainer are walking past a lady and they greet each other and say hello, and then as he turns to say hello back, and then down he goes. You know, he doesn't hide that; it's right there in the film for you to see it. And you no, know, he he keeps it he keeps it real the entire way through. Um, the thing I appreciate about this film so much is I love when people get to take ownership and tell their own story, as opposed to having someone else tell it, whether they've passed on or whether they reach a level of um, where they're just physically incapable of doing it. So I appreciate that Michael J. Fox is telling his story his way while he still has the capability and the capacity to do so. And I think that's part of what makes this so good is because he's telling his story. He's able to um, be completely honest with us and still be funny, still tell everything that he wants to tell his way. And it's not, and it's not a fluff piece that you get sometimes when people give a, a biography or tell their life story where they, they only want to show you the good stuff about their film, about their life, or, you know, they want to show their triumph over it. It's like, and this one, no, he, he tells you like, you know, he struggled. He dealt with, you know, being a chronic smoker. He dealt with alcohol abuse. He dealt with struggles in his marriage and, figuring out how to come to terms with the disease and how much he tried to run from it for a long time before he ultimately had to settle up and come to terms with it and how he tried to you know try to mask for, mask it and hide from it and him going overseas to do films because it was his it was almost like a coping mechanism for him to try to avoid having to deal with what was going on at home he he keeps he hides he doesn't hide any of that from us And it's that honesty that I appreciate in this film. And then by the end of it, he shows you that, you know, he's made it through all that. And he's still here and he's still living. And like you said, he's still fighting, still enjoying his life as best he can. And like you said, yeah, this was absolutely beautiful and inspiring. And I'm with you guys. It's a Tupperware all the way.
3: Yeah. Fantastic movie. It's called still a Michael J. Fox story. Uh, excuse me, a Michael J. Fox movie. It's on Apple TV plus. I highly, highly recommend this one. Um, I don't even think you have to be like a, uh, like a huge Michael J. Fox movie to appreciate, uh, you know, his life and this story. Uh, let's talk about McGregor forever on Netflix. This is a four episode. Four episode uh, sports docu series uh, chronicling uh, uh, UFC fighter Conor McGregor. Um, Conor McGregor's brutal strikes and trash talking swagger make made him the UFC's biggest draw. This rousing docu series follows his dynamic career. I uh, I used to watch the UFC a lot back in the day, man. I had a I had a buddy uh, who would get all the fights, and I'd go over there and watch uh, the pay per views. And then, uh, those stopped. And so I stopped watching, but I used to watch the ultimate fighter. I used to watch, uh, all the UFC fights back in the day. Um, never, I didn't get into the, into this, uh, Conor McGregor guy, uh, until I, I didn't really know a lot about him. I, I knew the name, but I didn't know anything about him until I watched this docu-series and, um, Man, it, it his career has lots of ups and then it's got lots of downs and lots of setbacks. And uh the story's not over yet. I, I think he's still trying to get a fight in before the end of uh twenty twenty three. He's talking about coming back and getting a fight in. Um but uh yeah, uh four episodes. I finished all four and um, I thought it was a I thought it was a fantastic documentary. Um it was... You know, for me being a guy not familiar with his career, I no, somebody that's familiar with his career, they're going to be like, "Oh, I, I remember that. I remember this. I remember that." Me, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm watching the next episode, wondering like, "Oh, is he going to win this fight?" Because I have no fucking clue, because I didn't follow the guy's career. Um, and uh, it, it, there's times where he is, there's times where he's like, just like like the bad boy of the sport and he's and he's talking trash and talking shit. And then there's times where he's kind of like, you know, after a defeat, he gets humbled and he starts to respect, you know, the guys that he's going to get into the ring with. And he and he kind of he pulls back on like that um, on his ego. Um, I kind of liked it when he was the bad boy of the, uh, of, uh, of the UFC. I liked that fucking cocky Conor McGregor. You know, I like that. I don't think, you know, and I've always been, you know, I liked uh, Charles Barkley when he was kind of, you know, talking trash and shit like that. And I love Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan's one of the biggest trash talkers in the NBA. He was one of the biggest trash talkers in the NBA. Him and fucking Reggie Miller, two great fucking players. I think you got to have a level of cockiness to make it. You got to step on some people. And uh, you got to step on some teammates to fucking motivate them sometimes. You know? so uh i appreciated that um they show this fucking they show this they show this fucking when he fucking snaps his leg my god did you guys watch that part
2: i've seen the clip of it but i didn't get to it within this uh this docuseries i didn't get to that episode did you see yeah, it, joe? So they did show it at the very they did show it at the very beginning of the first episode they though. did yeah they showed right. it again in the fourth did you see it joe
0: oh i must have missed it in the first episode but i, I recall seeing the clip when it was making the rounds on the internet so uh, so you both only watched one episode yes
2: yeah i only got through the first episode
0: oh uh, so i'm gonna ask you guys
3: like what did you think joe why didn't you continue on
0: uh for me it was more of like a time thing i didn't really have the time to watch another one uh, i I would be open to watching another one the The first episode I thought was really good it didn 't absolutely blow me away uh i 'm going to taste it right now for it uh for me it's it's it 's really similar to the way I go into a lot of these sports documentaries, not being much of like a sports follower. I generally don 't know <laughs> what 's going to be happening when you were talking about how you were watching this, not knowing. You know, the history of the fighter. Oh, does he win this fight or not? That's the way I go into all these sports documentaries. And, uh, And for whatever reason, this one didn't hook me as much as the basketball ones tend to do. And ultimately, it always comes down to the story. And so maybe it could have been that I was watching that first episode with a bit of a critical eye, just being like, oh, my God, this guy runs his mouth so much. And then he ran his mouth and was like a total dick before the Khabib fight. And, man, he ends up tapping out in it. But then when he had afterwards, when he's talking about it and he's like kind of coming to grips with the fact that, hey, I lost. That's all that matters. All all the other shit that happened in the ring afterwards and and what was said, you know, all that matters is I lost when it counted. And so I looked at that as like, well, that's an incredible amount of personal growth. And then when it followed him doing the community service in the church and how affected he was by that and when he was talking and saying, you know, hey, I'm just in my young 20s and it's like that's when for me i had my moment of realization where i kind of understood him a little bit more as a person where you take somebody that's in their young 20s and you rocket them up to stardom in a sport where you're fighting with your fucking fists and you're rewarded by how much shit you talk and now all of a sudden you're a multi-millionaire on top of it and holy shit you're not even still 25 yet that's a lot. That's a lot to dump on a human being and expect them to just walk around being a a well-adjusted, normal person. Like, that's almost an impossible thing. And so from that angle, I do think it's, it's pretty intriguing, and I would like to see more of it. Um, but it, it just came down to time. So I'm rating it purely based off the first episode and it was a a taste it for me. But I was really intrigued with the way that he was portraying everything in particularly like the last 20 minutes of that first episode. I thought was the best part of it.
3: Uh, Sportsmanship. I'm all for it. But I think if I think sometimes you got the way he acts, I can I can get down with it. If you're a fucking fighter, you should believe that you're the baddest man on the planet. And back it up. Like Tyson, he was the baddest man on the planet. And he backed it up back in the day. And I mean, same thing with Conor McGregor. I think these guys are fucking fighters. I don't want them to be subdued. You know? We all fucking praise fucking Muhammad Ali. And he was doing the same shit. He was talking no, that is true. He was talking so much shit. He was talking shit when he fucking knocked the guys out. He was still running his fucking <laughs> mouth. And we fucking praise Muhammad Ali. But Conor McGregor does it and people watch it and they're like, oh, I don't like I don't like the way he's acting. It, it was it. Muhammad Ali was doing it. This is nothing new. Mm-hmm. Jordan, Jordan, you watch him in the last dance. You watch him play. You watch him play basketball. He's running his mouth the entire fucking game talking shit. If you can't handle it, get the fuck out of the sport. I don't know. <laughs> you don't always. You don't always absolutely need. Absolutely agree. With you don't you, always need to have a fucking poster boy. Some of these guys don't want to be a fucking role model. Some of these guys just want to beat the shit out of other men for a fucking living. They're not there to fucking raise your fucking ten-year-old.
0: No, you hit the nail on the head. Where it's like it's like they're not they're not expressly there to be a role model. Whether whether they they end up as a byproduct becoming a, a role model, you know that's not on them. And and for me, like that's the one angle that I'm looking at it is that sometimes it's hard to separate myself from dad mode, where I'm like, mm, oh man, I, I, <laughs> like I, I can't condone that sort of behavior, but I, I do get it. So yeah.
3: I like a fighter that's like I'm gonna. I I like a fighter that's gonna come out and say yes on this day I'm gonna kick your ass. That's his job. You you may not like what he's saying, but that's his job, and if that's what he has to say to himself to pump himself up, let that and you know it's. But on the flip side, he's got to pay the price when he gets knocked out. He get he gets a little humble when he when he taps out. Yeah, so,
0: no, for sure. Yeah, he had to face that hubris and be like, "Oh yeah. damn, yeah. I, I I lost there. I talked a tremendous amount of shit and I lost." And and seeing his reaction to that, I thought was the best part of that first episode. Yeah, yeah, uh, Dre,
3: what do you what do you think of the of this? Uh, I I top I, it. I, mm-hmm. I, I finished all four episodes. I fucking love this. What do you think?
2: Okay, well, that, well, that's good to know. Like I said, um, I'm with Joe. I only watched the first one and. From the first episode, I'll give it a, I'll give it a taste. It. Um, again, a, um, my familiarity with McGregor, I don't completely know everything about him, but I'm loosely familiar with Conor McGregor. I'm not a huge UFC guy. I've always been more of a boxing guy, you know, from ever since uh, you know childhood, all the way coming up and never fully got into UFC. But I've been aware of Conor McGregor. I mean, a guy of his magnitude, he's gonna kind of be on everybody's radar. And this first episode, which kind of focuses on um, the build up to his fight with uh, Nurmagomedov at UFC 229, I remember the time around that fight. Um, I don't think I ever actually saw the pay-per-view, but I remember him making the headlines for um, the fight at the bus and all that stuff. And so I was familiar with the stuff I was watching in this episode. But what was nice to see in the first episode was the stuff outside of that. Seeing the stuff with his family, seeing the um, the stuff he had to do with the, like you said, the community service that he got, um, stemming from the um the fight that happened at the uh with the bus. And seeing these um the 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 baby reveal where he found out he was about to have a daughter, and seeing those things that paint McGregor in a more positive, positive light as opposed to the persona he portrays as a fighter where he is playing playing up that villain so it was nice to see that other side of him so that way you know you're not just the, the image of him isn't just painted by the stuff he gets in trouble for or when he talks trash and he maybe goes too far with his trash talking and, and and crosses a line or this that uh, or things of that nature so it was nice to see another side of him so in that regard um i'll give it a taste it because it, it was good and I'll probably go I'll probably see the the other ones. Cause since you gave him a tupperware, yeah. It it um it interests me enough to see where it goes from there, stemming from his loss and then where uh what's next for him in this docuseries. It's making me
3: want to watch his next fight. I I mean if, if he's gonna if he says he's coming back and he's mm-hmm. fighting by the end of this year it makes me i know we've got a theater out here that'll they'll that you for like 25 bucks or something like that you can go out to the theater and watch these fights that's probably what I'll end up doing i mean it's yeah. got me it's got me invested in in mcgregor's career now and i'd be interested to see the next fight it's not like i don't like these fights anyway it's just you know you know just time permitting and and mm-hmm. you know uh, you know, I used to have easier access uh, to these fights back in the day, but I'll I'll drop twenty five bucks to go see this in the theater. And his next fight, yeah.
2: you know, so, yeah. And at at this point in his career, ain't no telling how many fights he may have left because yeah, one he he ain't, he's not old, but he's not a spring chicken in terms of fighting. And also, the man's got plenty of money that he doesn't need to fight anymore. I exactly, mean, he made he made absolute bank. Off of that fight he had with uh, Floyd Bayweather back in those 2017. Yeah, yeah they did.
3: They said a hundred million. Yeah. Did they say a exactly. hundred million? So, yeah, that's insane.
2: I, I think that, yeah. After that fight he made a hundred million and yeah, you know. He's talking so about he's, he's good. He's saying he wants a rematch. <laughs> yeah, they don't that doesn't need to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll it doesn't. See. Floyd has been retired for a number of years now and is well past his prime. Maybe maybe McGregor wants a rematch because he thinks he can actually take Floyd this time around since yeah. Floyd's been out of it for a while.
3: Yeah. Uh, we got two more things to talk about in Good Pop, Bad Pop. Um, White men can't jump. This dropped on Hulu. Uh, it's a reboot. Two ballers, opposites who are seemingly miles apart, find they might have more in common than they imagine possible. Uh, it's directed by Kalmatic and written by Kenya Barris and Doug Hall From a story they co-wrote with Ron Shelton It's a remake of the 1992 film Uh, It stars Sinqua Walls and Jack Harlow In his acting debut In the lead roles Alongside Tayana Taylor uh, Laura Harrier Vince Staples Miles Bullock and Lance Reddick in one of his final film performances before his death in March 2023 I also saw uh, Gerald Slink Johnson in this I I like that guy he was in um, Adult Swim's Black Jesus Um, I thought that that was a fantastic comedy if you've never seen Black Jesus you can probably watch it on the Adult Swim app Um, that had John Witherspoon in it uh, and uh, Charlie Murphy and it was a Fucking hilarious show! About each episode's about eleven minutes a piece. I think it went on three seasons, and um, so check that out. But uh, honestly, I don't. Th- I think that I think like this. It has some similarities to the first movie. The characters have different names altogether, and I think it has some similarities. You know, when they first meet, they're playing. They're, they're uh, you know, betting on games and stuff like that. And and. But in a lot of ways, this is a completely different movie with a completely different story. I think they just called it White Man Can't Jump because of the name recognition. They could have called it something else. I don't think it's a bad movie, but I don't think it's a great movie. I'm going to give it a taste it. I was entertained. I didn't have a problem watching it. I watched the entire movie. There were some parts that actually made me laugh. Um, I don't think Jack Harlow is a tremendous actor. Uh, I was thinking they should have cast uh, Lil Dicky <laughs> in the movie because I know he can act and I know he can ball too. If you watch some of his uh, YouTube videos, um, he's a he's a he's a pretty good basketball player in his own right um but I'll give it a taste it you know I I don't think that it like you know I it's not like it's like oh man I can't go back and watch the original white men can't jump uh this ruined it it has nothing to do with that it really has just everything to do with like this didn't need to be made and it didn't need to be called white men can't jump uh and it was nice seeing Lance uh Lance Reddick um but I'll give it a taste it and probably will never watch it again. It's 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 fine. <laughs> so, uh, Dre, what do you think about White Men Can't Jump?
2: Yeah, you nailed it right on the head when you said it did not need to be called White Men Can't Jump <clears throat> because, <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah, I'm going to give this one a low taste it. Um, like I said, it was just OK. There were some things about it that I did like, you know, you um, know, Kamal and Imani, uh, his, Kamal and Imani, played by uh, Tiana Taylor, uh, his wife, they had a good dynamic between them. I like that uh, her character had a little bit more of a prominent role in this one, as compared to the original, and her being supportive and and uh, like said so being featured more than uh, Wesley Snipes' character's wife was in the original. Um, this does take a more modern uh and another thing it does good is it takes a more modern and smarter approach to some of the racial dynamics that exist between um uh kamal and jack harlow's character as opposed to 19 the original movie which was very let's just say some of those jokes probably wouldn't fly today (laughs) from the original one um this one, it just doesn't have the same charm as or spirit that the first one had, and I think that's where it suffers. When you call it "White Men Can't Jump," it's inherently going to be compared to the original, and the original one, uh, Wesley Snipes' character, Sidney Dean, he's so much more charismatic than uh, Kamal was in this one. He's talking trash the whole time on the on the court while they're hooping and a lot of the original one centered around a lot of the movie takes place on the basketball court. And that's where a lot of the story is told. Whereas this one steps away from the basketball court much more and tells a lot more of the story outside of it. Some of that stuff does work as far as, you know, maybe giving the characters a bit more depth than the original one had. And some of it just does not quite work. Um I think they tried to touch on some things that they like they uh, kind of alluded to uh Jeremy the character played by Jack Harlow they kind of allude to maybe he have him having some sort of uh uh maybe like a a, a drug issue cuz his character has um was a former college player who wasn't able to pursue his career any further because of he tore both his ACLs and since then he's been dealing with the pain from that which you know setting a little bit of sports science aside, I kind of find it hard to... I kind of struggled by with the fact that he would still be struggling with that because given today's medicine, guys seem to come back from ACL injuries like nothing. But yeah, that... That That used to be like a career ender. Right. Back in the day, that was a career ender. Now it's like you suffer ACL. Like, okay, you're done for the season. Come back next year and you don't miss a beat. But this character is like still dealing with that to this day. And it's like, eh, that's... You know, it kind of broke a little bit of the believability for me, but not the worst thing in the world. I'm neither here nor there, though. Not. But they kind of touched on him having some, maybe some sort of drug issue, but they didn't really do, they, do they, much with they it. They didn't
3: follow back up with
1: that at all.
2: Right. So there were some things that they kind of touched on that they but didn't fully develop or execute all that well. And like I said, just overall, a lot of what made the original film so good is missing from this remake. Like I said, uh, uh, Kamal and Jeremy, they're just not as charismatic as Wesley Snipes or Woody Harrelson were in the original movie. And even Rosie Perez in the in the original movie, she made that movie work a lot yeah. in terms of what she did. And me, and while Tiana Taylor's character of Imani Kamal's wife, she had a more prominent role in this film, but she did not quite. She couldn't didn't. She didn't uh, elevate the movie as much as Rosie Perez did in the original. And Jeremy's um, girlfriend, played by – I forgot her name. Lauren – Laura Harrier. Laura Harrier, Wasn't she the love interest in the first
3: Spider-Man? Spider-Man, yeah, Yeah,
2: she was. Yeah. Yep. Yep. She was in that as as well. And yeah, she was just kind of there. Exactly. More or less. She didn't bring much to it as well. So yeah, this movie just – it just – like I say, it doesn't have the spirit or the or the as good as the original one. So yeah, I'm just at a low tasted it, on it.
3: That first one was, I mean, you, you said like that shit wouldn't play today, and you're you're right. Like that movie was of its time, which mm-hmm. it, it, it was iconic because it came out at that time. And so if right. you were, you were around in 1992 and you watched White Men Can't Jump, I mean, you know that movie was, I mean, that just. Woody Harrelson, Wesley Snipes were just fantastic in that movie. I I still love the whole dynamic between the two. I love the whole uh, conversation that they have about listening to Jimi Hendrix. It slays me every fucking time. It's like, you 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 hear Jimi, but you don't don't
2: hear hear Jimi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even the very premise of the original one, the concept of, you know, a white guy being good at basketball. Yes, yes. It's like. Of that time. And yeah, was by was at the time you were like, yeah, yeah, white dudes really can't jump. But <laughs> so they were smart in the sense that they were smart in the sense that the fact that they made Jeremy's character a legitimate baller, because yeah. obviously in today's basketball world. Yeah. White dudes can hoop. There's plenty of them out there balling. So that was one thing that they did do well in the movie. I'll give them credit for that.
3: Yeah, you know, I don't think it really helped us when fucking Brent Barry won the dunk contest because that was a weak dunk contest. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah. uh, well, I think it was was it was it him dunking from the
2: free throw line. Is like he did it from the free throw line and he got a full running start. Yeah, from, like from full court. Whereas you know the last time we saw before that was when Jordan did it and Jordan dribbled, Jordan dribbled, jump. Where this guy just goes full 40-yard dash and just leaps. That's what Dr. J did. Yeah.
3: That's what Dr. Yeah. J did, and that's what Jordan said. Hey, well, what made mine different was I dribbled.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, Plus,
2: Bradbury was like 6'10". Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. I remember he went to the Bulls, and when he left, he said, uh, you can't make chicken soup out of chicken shit. Talking about how that team was just a— it was a wreck after Jordan yeah. retired. They were bad that year. That year after Jordan left, man, I think all they had left was like Tony and Bill Wennington, and, and then they got Brent Barry. It was oh, that was a rough fucking year for the Bulls, man. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, oh, still my favorite dunker of all time. Still favorite dunk contest is uh, Vince Carter, though.
2: Oh yeah, that that's still the greatest one Nothing's gonna come, nothing's gonna touch that
3: I don't think anything ever will I tried to talk to a younger kid Who wasn't even like, you know Old enough to fucking remember That Vince Carter dunk contest And he was telling me, oh, you know I think my favorite was Zach Levine I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, dude? you, are, you we are we are we are not you know zach's a bull and i you know i like him for that but it's like that's, he's not even in the same uh uh-uh, not even in the same breath no, no. as fucking
2: vince carter back in, you hop on youtube and go back and look up half man half amazing
3: yes yes <laughs> yes uh joe what do you think
0: about white men can't jump yeah th- this was the one on the list that i was like dreading watching because it's like I got, I got fond memories of that original White Man Can't Jump. Uh, the the performances between Woody Harrelson and and uh, Wesley and Snipes. Snipes and and Rosie Perez in that first movie are just very very magnetic. I'm not the hugest fan of like the 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 third act in that movie. I think it's a little bit of a downer, and in in that respect, I thought that this movie had a little bit happier of an ending, but this movie was, it was just okay. Like it it was, it's, it's a movie. It's something that you can watch on Hulu and it's not terrible, but it's not going to blow you away either. And it, it had a handful of lines in it that made me laugh out loud. And so really, I mean, I was, I was pretty checked out at the beginning of this movie and, and I was, it had it, it sucked me in and, and I, I paid attention to the the whole thing throughout it and it didn't blow me away or anything though. It's just a middle of the road, taste it for me. Um, I, I don't see it as something I'll be watching again. I thought the, the score in it was, was pretty forgettable. Like it almost felt like, like TV sitcom <laughs> type score. And uh there was a handful of tracks on the soundtrack itself where i was like oh this is cool i'm I'm digging this and then others where i was just kind of scratching my head i think that if you were to just pick up the soundtrack to this and listen to it man like
2: what a weird hodgepodge of music um yeah i thought it was lazy honestly (laughs) the soundtrack (laughs) because it would like the soundtrack would jump between old school records and then something modern so it was like like we'll have an old record for the people who saw the 1992 movie so they, they can connect to it and then we'll throw on a new song for yeah. all the new people to connect to and it was just yeah, yeah. didn't they have like did they have will there it is at one time
3: or might have yeah know. i think they
0: did yeah. they had a couple different sublime songs and it was yeah, just a mix yeah. it was all over the place yeah um I, yeah i i thought it was funny enough uh I, I liked some of the Easter eggs in it and nods to the original movie. But I think my favorite was where it's it, it apes the scene where they they hustle somebody and he goes to his car to get a gun, and then comes back and everybody takes off running. And in this one, I think what the guy grabs and comes back with was pretty funny. What they did with that. Oh my god! I was like that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that, this that is was... ridiculous. It was ridiculous, and and I thought that the. I liked what they did with Jack Harlow's character. Like, I thought that the whole vibe that he had about him was pretty funny, that, that he's very new age and into meditation and living healthy and all that. And, and the way that he talks shit.
3: Except he has, like, was, an opioid di- addiction or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. And that's that's mm-hmm. the real head scratcher. Where It's like, that doesn't fit in at all with the rest of his character. So that didn't really make sense. But. Um, I mean, this isn't a movie that you're going to come to because it's 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 brilliant writing and it's brilliantly acted. It's like, no, this is just a popcorn movie. You can have a couple laughs, watch this movie. It's on Hulu. It's easily accessible. You know, it's it's not a terrible movie, but it's not a great movie either. It's, it's, a, it's a classic taste, in my opinion.
3: Yeah. So that's uh, White Men Can't Jump on Hulu, you know, if there's nothing else on that should be like the tagline for this movie
0: (laughs) for sure (laughs) you know
3: white man can't jump on Hulu Eh, if there's nothing else on (laughs) last thing we're going to talk about and then we'll take a break here is uh and I don't have a lot to say on this one to be quite honest with you it's Ghosts of Beirut on Showtime um I didn't even write down notes on this one I got to pull it up on my fucking computer it's a four-part espionage thriller uh and explores the real-life manhunt for Ahmad Mugniena. I can't even pronounce that name. Um, And uh, basically, uh, he was implicated in Hezbollah in the Hezbollah attacks during the 1980s and 1990s until he died in a bomb blast in Damascus on February 12, 2008. Stars Dermot Mulroney, Garrett Dillahunt, Dina Shahibi, and uh, it's a weird fucking way to tell this real it's like a real story they like they they're they basically tell you at the beginning like we think the events happen this way based on our research, but it could be fictionalized <laughs> so and then they do this thing where it's like acted so you have actors, and then all of a sudden they'll cut away to like real people that were you know in the know of like what was going on in the CIA at this time and that they're like, you know, them chasing this Ahmad guy, and then like real people are starting to like talk about this story. And I didn't like the way they broke it down. And then you got real news footage. It's just a hodgepodge of acting slash documentary style. And I'll be honest with you, I was bored to tears watching this. So I'm gonna toss it. I don't really care,
0: yeah, i it wasn't that bad for me For me, it was just to taste it. Uh, it's very heavy, very, very heavy subject matter watching this. Um, the very first episode it it tells the story of like the first suicide bomber, and it's it's like a dramatized account of that, while also at the same time kind of being like a hybrid documentary. And it takes place over a couple different time periods. Uh, the way that it's presented had me scratching my head a lot while I was watching it, which then led to distracting thoughts of, is is this real? Are those just actors that are acting like they're in a documentary? I don't know. And, and so between the heavy subject matter and then just the, the curious way that they put it together, I, I found it really, really distracting and... I didn't think the acting in it was was bad though I thought that the way that it was shot and everything it was it did a good job of making you feel like you were in Beirut and in the in the early eighties and and seeing this Islamic jihad, which was something that had never been considered before, like starting to come to light in these c i a and uh other you know government agencies that are there starting to realize the truly what they're up against now and I don't just just because of how heavy the subject matter is. I don't know if it's something that I'd be into going back and watching again, even though it is only four episodes. Um, but if you are into history and, you, and your and, and that sounds like something that that you want to watch, this is something that you probably would like because it isn't like it's it's bad production quality. It's not poor acted mm. or any poorly acted or anything like that. All those parts of it are fine it's just purely for me i'm just not interested in pursuing this subject matter any further so just to taste it for me
3: yeah i thought the 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 most interesting part was like that whole that first suicide bomber story was interesting the way it kind of played out but
0: yeah. oh and then seeing the way that he's like having to rationalize it to the other people around there they're like yeah. no this is against our faith it's suicide and he's like no 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 it's you're going to be the the first of many martyrs is what it is and it's like oh man you just was able to take people's religious beliefs and turn it into something really horrific and ugly.
3: Yeah. And, well, and, and
0: he, watching he, these people be manipulated into found, doing this, it was sad.
3: He found a guy that had lost pretty much his entire family except for one young boy that he's taking care of and he's basically saying like you do this and, you know, you start, you know, you'll be the first martyr and your picture will be all over the place. You'll be beloved and we're going to take care of that boy and it's just like yeah wow yeah it's heavy stuff i i I just i did not i didn't care about it i didn't do anything for me
2: um dre what'd you think um see this type of material is kind of my interest the this historic this uh historical slash political slash documentary stuff type stuff this is really my interest so um it had be interested from the beginning but typically when it comes to this stuff i usually prefer non-fiction documentaries where they just you know they interview people who are we reported on it or connected in it or had inside information about it and they talk about it which this one does but then like you said it blends it in with with fictional, dramatic storytelling, like it's a series, like it's a regular television show, and when it's, it kind of threw me off at first with that blend, but I eventually got sucked into it, and it held my attention all the way through the first episode. So, and to the point that when the first episode ended, had there been another one to watch, I probably would have immediately watched the next one. So, in that regard, if I'm judging just the first episode on its own, I'd probably give it a high taste. It. The problem that I do have with this is unfortunately the fact that it's on a streaming service that I don't already have. So, one of the other judgments I make on it is is this good enough to make me pick up another streaming service? And in that regard, the answer would be a no. Yeah. So, that's the one that's the only thing unfortunately I I wish I wish they would have either dropped it all at once or I wish I would have found out about this after all four episodes would have come out cuz then I probably would have watched all four of them so the first episode itself for me because this is my this is something that I am interested in this is kind of you know uh my in my wheelhouse for me I give it a high taste it but I understand how if you know Again, if if his if his historical political type stuff and or things of this heavy nature dealing with you know terrorism and and such and the you know the guy Imad uh yeah, I ain't about to butcher his last name either but you know he's the guy who founded Hezbollah which is a terrorist organization if that stuff is too heavy for you I can understand people not being interested in it but for me yeah it is something I was interested in and I enjoyed the first episode.
3: There you go. It's got its audience. It's I. It just it wasn't for me. I, you know, it's not like, and I. You know, I can't watch certain things like this. But this one just didn't do it for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, some people are going to dig it. Yeah, it's like. Uh, do, but do you want to pick up Showtime? I watch Showtime because of uh, I love Yellow Jackets and I like some of the newer movies that they show on there. I was watching Your Honor too. I mean, there's a few shows on Showtime that I could get into, but. Anyway, that's Ghosts of Beirut on Showtime. We are going to take a break, and we will be back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news.
2: Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy T-shirts on PopCultureLeftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCO bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCO majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the thread this link. Or. You can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here.
3: All right, hey, we're back. It is now time for the pop culture leftovers news.
1: Hear yeah, ye, hear ye, yeah, yeah, read all about it. It's a little of a news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo.
3: All right, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, premiered at Cannes Kansas uh, Cannes, uh, Film Festival, uh, and this is from Cinema Blend. See what people are saying about Harrison Ford's new movie. Uh, James Motram of Games Radar rates the movie four out of five stars, saying there's a nostalgic feel to the film as it takes audiences on a rollicking, globe-trotting ride to bring the series to a satisfying end. Uh, the review continues. The action is slickly handled by uh, director James Mangold. Not least a thrilling tuck-tuck uh, chase through Tangier, but best of all, this is an Indiana Jones film, film with tears in its eyes. We see the character has grown older, but not necessarily wiser, drinking a bit too much. He's full of regrets about pursuing fortune and glory and leaving his loved ones behind. Family never was your strong suit. Chides Helena, clearly unhappy that he hasn't looked up in 18 years. Ford has shown he's a dab hand at playing the curmudgeon, so it seems apt that Mangold and his co-writer should steer the character in this direction. By the end, though, you'll have a smile on your face. I've heard mixed things about the ending. I've heard, like, the movie's fun, and then people don't like the ending. Uh, Clayton Davis of Variety tweets that the Dial of Destiny redeems the franchise after the previous installment, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was harshly received by critics, Uh, quote, redemption. James Mangold redeems Indiana Jones with Dial of Destiny, a farewell to one of the greatest movie characters in cinema history, action, laughs, charm, just everything that makes him great. Thanks, Harrison Ford and Phoebe Waller-Bridge for the ride. Uh, Donald Clark of the Irish Times rates the movie three out of five stars, saying nobody with a brain in their heads. I'll just read his quote. The plot is, is hokum of the cheesiest hue, but the screenwriters John Henry Butterworth and David Kep take scribe credits with Mangold. Uh, know that hokum is the mulch in which this franchise germinates. Though utilizing too much of the era's computer-generated imagery, Dial of Destiny is uh, fustily old-fashioned throughout. Uh, people get shot dead all over the place. Mickelson smokes in actual cigarettes. They even invite back Welshman John Reese davis Davies to reprise his role as a dubiously made-up fez-wearing Egyptian. You wouldn't get that anywhere else in today's big-budget franchise cinema. Um, The Adam said, uh, instant classic, Harrison Ford's career best, a rousing adventure that shows this old man still has great libido. Not just another indie film, it's one of the best movies ever. A fitting end to his journey while setting up what's next. Hmm. Great libido (laughs) Setting up what's next Are they talking about a spinoff with Phoebe Waller-Bridge I don't know Uh, I don't know Uh, I mean last time I checked It was like at a 50% on Rotten Tomatoes Let me go there now What's it at Uh, You know 50% Not a great score It is at 47%
0: now. still dropping then.
3: Yeah, it's only got 36 reviews, so we'll see. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the audience score is in comparison. Um, Just so you know, uh, Indiana Jones and... I'm going to check The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull That Yeah, just so you know Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull Had a 77% What? Yeah, from the critics And 53% from the audience So That's wild Yeah um, Yeah, 77, 77% Certified fresh But audience scores 53% so it'll be interesting to see. I, I have a I have a feeling that the audience score on this one's going to be much higher than the critic score.
0: But yeah, what that's what it seems like. The critics are going to be casting a much harsher eye on this. Yeah, and if if it ends up just mm-hmm. being a fun ride that doesn't do anything egregious, then I think general audiences will like this movie.
3: I hope so. It better land the ending. Uh, I've heard some things. I, I, don't know the, I don't know the ending. I don't know the ending. I've heard some rumors out there, and if they're true, it's dog shit, and I will toss this movie if, that, if, it, if what I'm hearing is true.
2: Yeah, if this appears to be, I guess, Harrison Ford's last outing as Indy Jones, you would hope that they give him a respectable send-off, and whether they do that, I guess, remains to be seen, but hopefully they do, and hopefully they don't try to pull some hokey shit
3: the ending I've heard, rumored, I don't think that there's any validity to it, uh, uh, is that the style of destiny makes it so that Indiana Jones didn't do any of his previous adventures. It was all Phoebe Waller-Bridge's character, and we'll see, we'll see like flashbacks of her doing things that he did in previous movies. And if,
0: oh, that would be terrible.
3: If that's the truth, then I toss this movie.
0: Mm yeah here's how we send off a character we make it so that he never did any of that cool shit that you liked yeah exactly like Like, (laughs) wow what a terrible idea
2: yeah you would think something like that wouldn't have made it past the the early screenings you lost it all over that and made the studio go back and rethink that but who knows yeah we'll see
3: I don't know i i you know i'm gonna hold out until I see the movie um to of course to make any judgment I'm not hitting the panic button yet uh I do want this to i don't think it i don't i don't think there's a, i don't think there's a chance in hell that it's gonna touch the first three uh but I just want a fitting ending i just want a fitting ending i, I want something yeah. to go out on that's better than fucking uh kingdom of the crystal skull so we'll see what happens yeah,
2: just. Just, just be fun, you know, evoke a good Indiana Jones movies and not the bad one. You're cutting, in, a-
3: you're cutting in and out, Dre. You might want to pop off here. Let me pause real oh. quick. All right. Next story I want to talk about here. I found this interesting. Um, it's from Dark Horizons. Executive Talks Vaulted Alien versus Predator Anime. So Disney and Netflix are reportedly sitting on an already finished 10-episode Alien vs. Predator anime series. IGN reports that during an appearance on the Perfect Organism podcast, former licensing director at 20th Century Fox, Joshua Izzo, uh, who helped founded Alien Day, shared details about the series and its delay. He explains, there is... Sitting at Disney Now at 20th Studios, a ten, uh, 10 episodes of fully completed Aliens versus Predator anime series that I produced. It's done. It's in the can. It's mixed. It's finished. It was produced. The story cracked by Eric Calderon and Dave Baker, two unbelievably crazy talented guys. He's not lying there. I know Eric Calderon worked on a... Uh, on a um, uh, Transformers series that was on uh, Go9, the Go9 app uh, and that guy fucking killed it on, that, on the Transformers stuff that he did. Um, Izzo says he pitched the idea of an Alien versus Predator direct-to-disc animated series to then Fox Home Entertainment head Dave Bixler who subsequently championed the project. Then Izzo presented the idea to Consumer Products Chief Jeffrey Godsick. Uh, he added that he pitched it as something the consumer products division could drive rather than waiting for theatrical whenever a movie decides to come out. At the time, Alien Covenant was still in early development. Um, Godsick approved the pitch. Izzo presented it to Home Entertainment and argued it would be easy for 20th Century Fox to produce since it owned nearly three decades of the comic book content for both franchises. Mm-hmm. Thus, there wouldn't be any rights issues they're sitting on this guys like this could uh i mean all they have to do is in my opinion all they have to do is they have to let one of these streaming services know you don't have to throw it up on hulu you don't have to throw it up on hulu they if they're if they're one if disney's wanting to recoup some money here they could just sell it to the highest bidder they could say we've got an aliens versus predator anime series And sell it to the highest competitor, the the highest streaming service, recoup some money. And you know, I I think like you you tell Netflix, you tell uh, Netflix, another, I mean, any of these streaming services, Paramount, Peacock, whoever, tell them you got a fucking anime series with uh, Aliens versus Predator. I think Netflix would buy this in a heartbeat, but I, it, needs, sure. it needs to be seen. Yeah. It needs to be seen, though. Like you can't just yes. sit on this and keep it locked away in a vault.
2: Hell no. Something like this could actually be great. Yeah. If it's if it's done by the, a good animation studio and it looks phenomenal. Hell yeah. They say oh, it's, it
0: could be, it's like the perfect medium for, th- for these characters. It could be so much fun to see it in anime form.
3: I agree i mean i uh I, you know I love Starship Troopers and I watch like you know the animated starship Troopers movie that that they can't i don 't know if i don 't know how many they 've come out with but i 've seen at least one and they brought back you know uh, uh, stars from uh, the original Starship Troopers to voice characters and things like that and man, it was a lot of fun um, and I think for a franchise that has kind of been you know, not so great lately. Yes, Prey was fantastic, loved it. But uh, you know, I, I seeing aliens, aliens versus predator in anime form. If it's done right, man, that could. I mean, that could that could really help the franchise. I think, and you know, and definitely help out uh, Disney right now if they could sell it off to another streaming service. I want to see this. I just want to see. it. I want to see what
0: it looks like. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm hyped to see this like it, a series too. That is super exciting.
2: Yeah, that could be. I, I, it piques my interest because I would hope that they would do something where it's focused just on the aliens and the predators. Without given that it's an anime, you don't feel like you have to force a human element into it like they did with the live action films. It could be just the predators taking on the aliens. All the way through and be something pretty fucking epic
3: you don't need you don't need talking uh, necessarily to to have an impact i mean uh the the animated series primal is uh a great example of that yep um i mean this could be you know five ten episodes whatever it is of just aliens versus predator and no talking and it doesn't mean that it doesn't have to have heart you know um i I want to see it I want to see it i would I would love if 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 uh eric calderon or or one of these guys has any clips of this if they could just slip it out there and release it if they could pull a Ryan Reynolds with Deadpool and just slip mm-hmm. it out there to where we could see a little bit of this because was it uh disney and they were didn't they start that mouse guard movie and then they they released some of the 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 uh, CGI from that, uh, you know, Fox was working on a Mouse Guard movie and then they released some of the CGI for that. And it looked fucking incredible. And that movie, I don't know if it's finished or locked or anything like that. I don't know how far they got into it. But uh, that movie is probably never going to see the light of day. I don't think it was finished. But this is a finished product. There's no reason why this should not come out.
2: Absolutely. I'm in agreement.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's the thing. They've already done all the work. All it needs is just a service. To yeah. to drop hopefully just drop some cash on it and throw it up there and let us all see it because it
3: sounds amazing. We want to see it. Aliens versus Predator. I mean, you know, I I, I guess I have a renewed interest in 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 uh, the Predators now that Prey was so awesome. I mean, I I love Dan but I didn't think I still didn't think he could pull it off, and he fucking pulled it off. And that yeah, movie against all odds. That was against an amazing all movie. odds, it, it was an awesome movie. Um, News from Dark Horizons Jackie Chan is reportedly in talks I just wrote this story Uh, I just uh, copied and pasted the story I haven't even read it I do know what it's about But I I don't even know the details Jackie Chan is reportedly in talks To return for the upcoming Karate Kid film At Sony Pictures According to Discussing Film Now I remember he was in Yeah, uh, he's expected to reprise the role of Mr. Han Previously seen in 2010's The Karate Kid Led by Jaden Smith And directed by Harold Zwart It is unknown if smith will return in any capacity the potential casting adds to the confusion regarding the project following its announcement in september last year uh and which promised a return of the original karate kid franchise of course most of the talent involved in the original karate kid franchise are now over on netflix's sequel series cobra kai uh, but it was made clear at the time no one in that show is involved in this film uh, that led to rumors of a period pre- prequel showcasing the early days of the late Pat Morita's famed karate master character uh, Mr. Miyagi this potential casting would appear to shoot down that talk but it also doesn't necessarily confirm this is a straight sequel to the reboot which grossed 359 million worldwide on a 40 million budget damn, damn. That's, I, <laughs> that's a that's a good haul um Jonathan Entwistle from uh, I Am Not Okay With This and uh, The End of the Fucking World directs and executive executive produces the project. That is an odd choice. I I love both of those. I Am Not Okay With This was fantastic. The End of the Fucking World was fantastic. Um, That's wild. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't make heads or tails of this project.
2: It seems like the studio can't either. Seems like they don't necessarily know what direction. Or maybe they were thinking of trying to go with the original cast, but then maybe Cobra Kai took off and they realized that was off the table. So they maybe it's like, okay, let's see if we can do something with the 2009 one. They
3: woman. announced this last year. The Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai had already taken off. Like that shit. Yeah. I mean, and then they're talking about, quote, a return of the original Karate Kid. And yeah, we all thought that maybe they were going to. Make, uh, give us uh, like a prequel story about uh, Pat Morita's character, um, of Mr. Miyagi. And but with them casting Jackie Chan, who you know played Mr. Han, Mm -hmm. this makes no sense.
0: I, I agree. No, it does not make sense. I was kind of excited about the thought of getting like a young Mr. Miyagi story that takes place in Japan pre war. And just tells the story about how this uh, rival ship maybe originally started with with the, the dude in Karate Kid 2. Like, I, I thought that there was still a lot of meat on the bone there. But if they're bringing Jackie Chan back, I, I really don't care to see them bring the kid back from that movie. And so that leaves it to, well, is he going to be training another Karate Kid? So now they're just going to reboot it again? Very confusing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: God,
3: he trains more kids than fucking Bruce Wayne. <laughs> Jesus.
1: <laughs>
3: Weird. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 You know, all I care about is fucking Cobra Kai season five. That's all I care about, which man, doesn't sound like we're going to get that with the writer's strike going on for quite a while. That and fucking Stranger Things.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, that's throwing a monkey rich and everything everything fuck
0: yeah we're gonna get hit, hit a rough period here at some point yeah
2: we are oh yeah have you, i mean i'm sure y'all seen some of the uh tv studios that have released some of their upcoming fall lineups Woo. all the reality tv as far as the eye can see <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh man get used to it for a while uh let's jump in Marvel news this week. Marvel news. All right. Oh is it uh I was reading uh, news from the direct and, uh, you know, for uh, it was about it was it was a James Gunn uh, centric article about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume three. And, um, you know, for all the talk of James Gunn not having to, you know, butt heads with the studio and stuff like that. This article was titled James Gunn felt pressure to include one major character in Guardians three. And he's talking about Adam Warlock in the movie. Um, let me try to get to the quotes that he had speaking with Io9. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three director James Gunn talked about Adam Warlock's debut in the threequel after being teased in the sequel's post-credit scene. Uh, when asked what aspect of the movie's story was the hardest to tackle, Gunn without hesitation responded with Warlock's inclusion, noting that it was "quote really difficult." Um, io9 said. Now this movie obviously comes in with lots of ta- uh, lots to tackle. You have the rocket's origin, like you said, the whole Gamora thing we talked about, Drax's family, which has always been kind of a question there. And then these new characters. So what aspect of the story was the hardest to organically get into the mix of this movie? Well, there's no doubt, he says, well, there's no doubt it was Adam Warlock. Like, it was really difficult. I promised Adam at the end of the other movie. The high evolutionary was crea- uh, has created Adam's species. That was the way in. Gun then explained the different moving parts of the movie, such as the High Evolutionary's presence and how it relates to Warlock. But it was definitely everything else was High Evolutionary is directly related to Rocket. All, all of, you know, Warpig Pig and the recorders Vim and Thiel, they're directly related. So it was the thing that was the most kind of separate that we put back into it, except that we had also teed up Aisha in the second movie. So we had all of that. But it was definitely the more difficult part to, uh, more difficult part to make a part of it. When asked if he felt pressured to fully showcase Warlock in Guardians Three, Gunn admitted that he did, saying that the character was supposed to debut in Volume Two to act as the opposing force. Um, io9 said because. I know fans have been asking you for years, even before Guardians 2, when you get the tease, like, what's going on with Adam Warlock? Did you feel pressure to put him in? And, like, how close to what the final product is is what you had in your head? He said, I think I did feel pressure to put him in this. A lot of the stuff was written for Volume 2. Originally, Adam Warlock was in Volume 2, and he was sort of the opposing force. I seem to always have a second force, right? So there's, like, in the first movie, Yandu serves that position, He's an alter- alternate force, and in the second movie, Aisha serves that position. Um, the DC Studios had lastly shared that Warlock and Aisha are the alternative force in the movie, acknowledging they seem to fit better as roles in Volume 3. Basically, what it comes down to is it just seems like he had to... It sounds like they did change his movies at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because going off of his quotes here, it's like okay. Well, if Adam Warlock was originally supposed to be in the second one, yeah, he ended up being a post credit scene in the second one. So that means he wrote himself into mm-hmm. this corner well before three was ever written. Yeah. So it, it's curious that that they're phrasing the article the way they are now, whether it was studio interference or or just the way that you know just the way that. That everything shook out when when he wrote it it almost sounds more like he wrote himself into that corner though and then after the fact was like well shit i teased him in the last one so i really got to show him in this one but that being said I, I feel like he used aisha and uh warlock to good advantage yeah, in the third one i, I thought agree. they were fine I, I thought that warlock was a good mix of a powerful character and also one that was unintentionally funny
3: I mean, it's, you know, I, I honestly felt like he he didn't need to be in the movie, but, like, what they were able to do with him was fine. They had to do something, and, uh, you know, I mean, that character is known for, like, his involvement with, uh, you know, the, the Infinity Gauntlet saga and everything like that, and that wasn't a part of his character in the MCU, so... I mean, they did what they had to do here. You know, Gunn did what he had to do, and I think it was fine. And I think they kind of teed the character up for, you know, to do some interesting stuff going forward. But, uh, yeah, the way this – it sounds like he wrote himself into this, right? Um,
0: Yeah, totally.
2: yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like maybe he had his idea for the character or what he wanted to do with it. Then who knows, maybe he talked with Kevin and found out that, uh, yeah, kind of don't need that. He's like, well, I kind of already did this. And yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out, though, James, won't you? And then he's like, OK, well, I guess I got to figure out something since I did this thing. I mean, I don't think that's something that's terribly unheard of necessarily that, you know, a guy has one idea, finds out, you know, maybe that idea doesn't work, has to kind of maneuver, pivot and come up with something else. Yeah.
0: See, if if Marvel would have been willing to accept it, or not really Marvel, but if the MCU would have been willing to accept it, he teed them up perfectly to put Adam Warlock in Infinity War mm-hmm. and have him follow a role that was closer to what his role was in the comics. But, you know, they chose not to do that. And and really, that would have been the perfect use of that character. We're showing him in this post credit scene and now in this important, you know, oh big movie coming up here, he's going to play a more pivotal role in it as the Johnny explains it all with a plan, like he is in the comic, but
3: Maybe that was the plan. Like it's like I'm gonna tee up Adam Morlock as a tease by the end of this movie. Then it's like you take the ball, right?
0: Yeah, and, and then the Russos mm-hmm. were like, we pass.
3: Yeah, pass. And then you know, from there, it's like, OK, now I'm stuck with Adam Warlock in this third movie. <laughs>
0: exactly. Right. Shit. I teased him. Now he has to be in this.
3: Yeah. But on the flip side, it's, it's like at the end of that movie, you know, Aisha creates Adam Warlock because to, to get back at the Guardians for decimating her, you know, her forces. So I don't know. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah, choices were made with that character <laughs> Yeah uh,
3: News from Dark Horizons uh, Avengers Echo Series Rumors Swirl uh, A f- couple of Marvel Rumors have popped up on the latest edition Of the Hot Mike podcast with Jeff Snyder First up he says there's an unconfirmed Report that Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania Writer Jeff-, Jeff Loveness Is no longer writing the upcoming Avengers the Kang Dynasty with the decision Made prior to the WGA Strikes commencement Snyder says loveness loveness deserved or not got a lot of criticism for his scripts. And yes, it sounds like they are going in another direction from what my source says. I've also seen this out on the internet. Um, so I, I actually retweeted, uh, like, uh, this rumor earlier, uh, I think last week sometime. And, um, I'll tell you this much. I'm happy with the decision to get rid of loveness. Um, he's a Rick and Morty writer um, I I wasn't I wasn't the biggest fan of Ant Man and the Guas Quantum And and uh, I I I'm happy that they're getting rid of this guy and we're getting another writer on the King Dynasty. Um, hopefully it works out because I I'm just not I, I'm just I I don't want more of the same. I, I don't want mm-hmm. I, I I mean this phase has been kind of a letdown like this whole uh this 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 whole multiverse shit has been kind of a letdown for me and so other than like loki and 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 uh, and of course guardians but um man this is i think this is good news
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: yeah i i agree i think it's good news too and and really i i i hope kevin feige is having some conversations with the russo brothers and being like how big of a pile of money guys because i mean look at what's going on lately we've been watching your movies and they're not as great as what you did what we did together so let's get the band back together and really knock people's socks off what do you say
2: yeah yeah this sounds like a a part of the course correction that feige's doing over there at marvel excuse me yeah the guy he they brought him in they thought he could do something with it his product came out yeah damn excuse me his product came out turns out it didn't do that well and they're like all right guy it turns out you're not who we think you are and yeah don't 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 touch that other thing we got coming
3: yeah exactly yeah i mean let's 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 get some let's get some different writers in here and you know if we're gonna make the king dynasty which i think i it'll be interesting to see what that movie's about what they're gonna do um But uh, I think they definitely need somebody in there other than Loveness. So I think if this rumor is true, this is great news, and hopefully it can only get better. Um, The Scooper also talked about the upcoming Echo series, which was recently announced. This was wild. Being released all at once later this year. This is not going to be a week-to-week wait with Echo. So um, I think it hits, like, November 29th or something. I'll have to look up the date. But they're dropping... All the episodes on one day, um, which I personally think is a is a sign that it's not good. Um, The series was hit with multiple reports of production issues over the past year, but that talk was fairly generalized without many specifics. Snyder's report goes into more detail and claims extensive reshoots along with more. Snyder says, I heard that it was a mess. And that the show came in so bad that they basically had to reshoot the entire thing. I'm told that they originally shot eight episodes and Kevin thought it was unreleasable. So they talked about cutting it down to four episodes or six in post. But then they ended up reshooting it, so my source did not actually know how many episodes they wound up with. But yeah, apparently it needed a top-down rejiggering, and Kevin was not happy with it. Um, so yeah, Echo features the return of Alakwa Cox in a role of Maya Lopez. We saw her in the Hawkeye series. And um, I'll be honest with you, like yeah, it's uh, released in its entirety on November 29th. I'll be honest with you, man. i I thought her character was kind of a throwaway in that. There was not one standout fight scene with her that blew me away. I think it has nothing to do with me, like not wanting to see like a character that doesn't have the, the use of her hearing. Um, I don't, I think that that's, that's interesting. Like you could do something with that. I just don't think that they gave her anything good in this series. And in the Hawkeye series like she was not the reason I was watching week to week
0: oh I mean outside of the the one flashback episode we got where it really explored the or the relationship she had with her father I was very excited about her character from that point but then it all went downhill after that and then it's to the point where like okay I guess we're getting an echo series and I agree with what, what you're saying that dropping this all at once it feels like a statement of we don't think that this is going to hold your attention week to week. Mm -hmm. And we would rather get all the bad press out right away and then have it disappear before the next news cycle, than drag it out over eight weeks of everybody bitching about how much this sucks.
2: Yeah. 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 Yeah, This definitely feels like, like purging. Like this is just maybe (laughs) more of the bad stuff that you guys kind of already don't like. And rather than just letting y'all pile on for however many episodes this is, get it out there. Y'all watch it, do what you want with it while we move on with our course correction.
3: The I mean, the idea behind this is what I think is like the they'll they'll get one or two weeks of bad press about how the show is not good as opposed to six weeks of how the show is not good. Exactly. And so I I hope it is. I mean, I have nothing against Laquail Cox. I have nothing against this character. I was hoping that this series would do something for her that, she, that didn't happen for me in the Hawkeye series because I really did like the I thought I thought the Hawkeye series was fun. I just was not impressed with the representation of Echo in the movie. I don't think that they did her any favors, and I think it's a cool character. And I think there's no reason why the character shouldn't have been uh, a lot cooler. They just I don't think that they did anything to help. Make me think like, oh, this character deserves a fucking six episode series, eight episode series, whatever. So
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's the other thing. Like you said, she's not a bad character, but nothing about her ever said to me that, you know, I need a whole series developing this character. This seems more like a character that I could see being further developed in another series alongside it. You know, maybe like she appears again in the Daredevil series and we get more character development then. But there wasn't... Like you said, there wasn't enough development in the, the Hawkeye series for me to warrant her having her own series. There, I mean, here's the thing.
1: I,
3: I talk about like, uh, like oh, you're obsessed with like, her not having like, this standout action scene. I beg you to tell me what her standout action scene was and what she did. I beg you. I beg you. Because I can tell you when I watch Captain America Civil War what Bucky did. Mm -hmm. I can tell you you what fucking Daredevil did in his fucking series to stand out as a badass. They needed to have something like that with her character in this. They needed to have an action sequence of her doing some badass fucking things, some standout things, and they missed the ball there, in my opinion. And it didn't get me salivating for an Echo series. They missed it. They fucked up. The actor didn't fuck up. It's what they gave her. And, exactly. so, and now it seems like they've put out this subpar. If we're to believe the reports, they've put out a subpar prod, prod, uh, product here. They're not confident in it. So they're going to do a dump. That's this exactly is unprecedented. Like. They, they, don't, they haven't done this on Disney Plus where they've done a dump nope. of episodes. It, th- this hasn't been done before. Can you imagine them doing a dump of fucking like I know Netflix does it with their, with their model, but not Disney Plus. Loki, right. we watched le- week to week. Captain America, uh, you know uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we watched week to week. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, yeah, that's what it was called. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Falcon yeah, and Winter yeah. Soldier. Yeah, I'm losing my it was mind. Week to week. Yeah, it was week to week. Uh, you know, all I mean, these did fucking what if
0: week to week. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> pretty, pretty much everything that's been on Disney Plus has been week to week. I think the only series that they ever dropped more than one episode at once was the Obi-Wan series that they gave us two episodes at the very beginning. But other than that, pretty much everything on Disney Plus has been week to week. Yeah, And yeah, this just kind of... it—it's Like you said, it screams no confidence. It screams the, like this is a lingering product of this mentality that Marvel must have had coming out of Endgame where our shit don't stink and we can throw out everything and y'all gonna eat it all up and... They've now realized that, oh, people still have a standard of quality. We can't just put out anything and we can't just flood the market with everything. So we kind of need to uh, we need to change things up. And again, Echo feels like a lingering remnant of that past way of thinking. And now they're just like, dump it out, purge it so we can quickly move on.
3: We're talking about a series that's also going to feature Wilson Fisk, played by Vincent D'Onofrio and fucking... Uh, Matt Murdock, played by Charlie Cox, those guys are in this series, and, and they're dumping this. Another thing that I'm worried about is the fact that like now I don't have that much confidence that you can take those characters and put them in a in a solo Daredevil series under the under uh, under Disney Plus now and make that something good. I mean I think I do not think I'm going to say it. I don't think the Daredevil series is going to be if I'm wrong, I'll eat crow. I do not think it's going to hold a candle to what we got on Netflix.
0: No, I I don't think it will either. And Then why th- fucking do it? <laughs> because they're trying to connect Daredevil to a different audience with it. Is, they're trying to be like, hey, PG-13 audience, look at Daredevil. Let's see how he does here.
2: Yeah, it was, I mean, Daredevil is the character that we've all wanted back ever since they – announced the end of the uh netflix marvel stuff people still wanted to hold on to that and they're trying to give that to us but uh the execution still remains to be seen i mean this is thing like isn't this supposed to be still like 24 episodes 18 18 or 18 18 still trying to wrap my head around how you're gonna make 18 episodes of this work
3: i think they're gonna break it down nine and nine we're gonna have a break you know Even
2: then, that's... I know, it's a lot, man. That's a lot of story to try to tell. Yeah. I mean, there are ways that... There are ways you can make it work, sure. I just don't know if if they're going... If they can do it. And it's kind of shameful that, you know, our confidence in Marvel has been shaken like this.
3: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't be so upset about this if it wasn't for how much I fucking love that Netflix series and how amazing that Netflix series was. And I'll still say it. I'll say it. I'll say it uh, every fucking time I get on here. Nothing that Disney Plus has put out Marvel related touches what Netflix did with that Daredevil series. That Daredevil series, that first and third season are perfection.
0: They yeah, are, it's, th- it's the best like comic book TV series, in my opinion, is what they did with Daredevil.
3: Agreed. Agreed. So, yep. I mean, good luck. I, I, you know, I really hope it works. I, ho- I hope it works. I will be watching. I will be watching. I will give it three, four episodes, and if it's just if it is just shitting on what I love so much about like that Netflix series, then I, I will just I will I will wash my hands clean of the of the Daredevil series I will not continue to watch the series if it's just not going to be as as good as what we got with the Netflix stuff because that stuff was was perfection I won't I won't see them take Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio and put them in something that is subpar something that is watered down and You know, I mean, but if people stick around for it, and if people like it, if people like the new direction, that's on them. It's just I know what I like, and I know I love that there was nothing broke. Why fix it? There's nothing to fix. It was perfection, man. It was, I mean, you had you had a villain that was layered that you hated. You had a hero in Matt Murdock that you loved, and just a badass. I mean, my god. I don't know. It's just, I'm, you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm speaking too soon. Maybe they're going to, maybe this is in the right hands and they're going to put the care into it. And they're going to, they're going to give us what we loved about Daredevil from Netflix. Maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but this Echo News does not do anything to, to yeah. assure me that they are putting the
2: care into any of this. Yeah. Maybe they, maybe they could, but Marvel is not in a position now to where we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt like we used to.
3: Yeah. Uh, oh, and then finally, in, in Marvel news, we're getting the uh, Deadpool 3 casting news. Um, uh, Brianna Hildebrand and uh, Shaoli Katsuna are coming back for Deadpool 3. So uh, Hildebrand is coming back as Negasonic Teenage Warhead and Katsuna is coming back as her girlfriend Yukio um and um so far we've got ryan reynolds of course uh hugh jackman has joined the cast marina backron's back as vanessa uh stefan kepsisic is back as colossus karan sunny is back as Depinder. leslie ugams is back as blind al and rob delaney is coming back as peter Th- <laughs> yeah this is uh sean levy uh sean levy is going to direct and produce um Uh, from a script from Levy, Reynolds, Paul Wernick, Rhett Reese, and Zeb Wells. And I have full faith in this movie. I have full faith in this movie. So that's great news. I was worried that we weren't going to get Negasonic Teenage Warhead back and Yukio back, because I really liked Yukio in the second film, and I've always loved Mm -hmm. um, the dynamic, the weird kind of like... (laughs) dynamic between uh deadpool and uh negasonic teenage warhead it's always fun yeah i yes.
2: loved it the way they would just shit talk each other and then yes. yukio would come in like
1: hi wade hi yukio
0: <laughs> i was excited to see that casting news yeah the the relationship that they have it, it's very like a, a sibling type relationship almost yeah, yeah. Where, where where you can tell that like they like each other but like she's not going to show him really that she likes him except for under rare occasions, but you can tell that she does like him Yeah, and it is a fantastic vibe and the great chemistry between those actors.
3: Absolutely. So God, I can't, I think Deadpool three is like, uh, at this point, I, I'm telling you, it's probably my most anticipated Marvel project coming out. Is there anything else, Joe, is there anything else Marvel related that you're looking forward to more than Deadpool three?
0: Not even close.
3: I mean, I'm looking for. I'm looking more forward to Deadpool three than I am
2: fucking Secret Wars.
0: Same. <laughs> Same. I didn't even have to think about that one.
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Right now, Deadpool three is is that's it. That's yeah. the next big thing that I think we're all looking forward to. You know, I yeah. I mean, and that's not to say that I think Secret Wars is going to suck or me anything either. like
3: that. I, not I'm at not, all. I'm not even saying like I'm. I'm worried about Blade. I'm worried about Blade.
2: Yeah, Blade seems super rocky right now.
3: Right, I mean, I'm really worried about Blade. Do I want a great Blade movie? Yes, but I am worried about it. I, I, I'm not worried about Deadpool three though. I mean, Ryan Reynolds. I mean, you put it in the hands of Ryan Reynolds. I'm not worried about it. The guy fucking takes the soccer team and makes them better. I mean,
0: and <laughs> exactly. He's not. Deadpool mm-hmm. in good hands.
3: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ra- it's you know, it's being handled by by former writers. And and just the people that are doing it love the character. They love what they're doing with it, and that shows on projects when people are doing something they're having a good time doing it.
2: Exactly.
3: So yeah, we'll see, man. I'm looking forward to Deadpool three. Ooh man, I'm. You know, Joe, I am. I don't have any DC news or Star Wars news this week. I know Star Wars with the with the Star Cruiser Hotel and the closings and all that stuff. I don't want to talk about it, man. It's like you know what are they charging like it was like six thousand dollars for a family of fucking oh. four
0: yeah ridiculous yeah. something that the outside of winning the lottery i'll never experience right and so it's like hey we closed this stupid expensive thing that nobody could afford to come to except for the elite yeah it's like oh okay <laughs> shocker
3: <laughs> so it's like you know but uh my, I, I think the, the announcements I'm ready for the most are more Superman legacy announcements. I, I really want to know who they're going to lock down in the castings for
2: Superman. Oh, legacy. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's the, the big thing. That's what's – I'm not going to say it's going to make or break the series, no. But that's going to be the thing that's going to get the most engagement as far as that movie is concerned. Up until the point where we get a trailer. Yeah. Be- anytime there's a, like a major character, a major comic book character that's coming to film, first thing everybody wants to know, who's going to play him? Yeah. And especially given how we came from Henry Cavill, which love him or hate him, damn it, that's the best looking Superman we've had since Christopher Reeve, in my opinion. So, the MI, I've, I know there's been some rumors out there of certain names and this, that, and the third, but ultimately whoever they get is gonna be compared probably to Henry Cavill to a certain extent, if nothing else from a physical standpoint.
3: Yeah. I mean I here's the thing, like Christopher Reeve wasn't like the biggest dude. Right. You know, he wasn't the biggest dude. I think like if they got if if they cast Nicholas Holt or if they cast this corn sweat guy, I don't think that they have to bulk up necessarily. I mean, it'd be nice for them to get into somewhat Superman shape, but I don't think that they have to look like you know they're competing in a bodybuilding tournament or something like that to play Superman, because it sure. wasn't necessary with Christopher Reeve. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, man. But yeah, you're gonna have you're gonna get, you're right, Dre. Instant comparisons to Cavill. Instant yeah. comparisons to Cavill once it happens. And right. I mean, Snyder, not not just Snyder fans. I mean, I think I think a lot of people are gonna be comparing him to Cavill. And then you're gonna get a lot of you know it's one of those things. If they, if they cast this corn sweat guy, who's like not really like a big time, big name, you know, I, I, I've only seen him in Pearl. I know he's done other things, but he, he, you know, that's the thing. Christopher Reeves was really not a, a film actor. You know, he was like, he was doing, you know, stage plays and stuff like that. And and it worked for him. So it's not like you have to get like this big name to come in there and play the character. he could,
2: he could basically make himself superman. Yeah, you definitely don't. I mean, Henry Cavill himself wasn't a huge name before sure. he became Superman. The yeah. only thing he was known for before then was what? The Immortals. The Immortals, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. that one thing he'd been in and Yep. You're right. He doesn't they don't have to necessarily get huge hulked out beefcake like Henry Cavill does, but at the same time, I don't think we want to see a Superman in a muscle suit like Shazam was in the first movie either. I oh, think we that still was want terrible look. Right. We want somebody who still Outside the suit still looks, you know, somewhat sizable, like Christopher Reeve did and like Henry Cavill did. You know, and hopefully can can nail the 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 Clark Kent performance. That's the one thing I will say about the, yeah. the rumor about Nicholas Holt. Like you said uh, last week, he does look like he could absolutely nail a Clark Kent portrayal. Yeah. The question mark would be could he do the superman part as yeah, well
3: exactly yeah i think i think he's i, th- I think uh, i think he's definitely got clark kent locked up but yeah could he pull off superman you know that's the that's the question so i'm looking forward to those casting announcements man when we finally get some casting announcements for superman legacy in that trailer i want to see the first trailer oh my god and then You know, yeah, we're going to get those compared as soon as we get like that first like entertainment weekly fucking picture of like the actor in the suit for the first time. It's oh, my God.
2: Internet's just going to blow up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they do every time. I remember when we first got the picture of uh, Henry Cavill on set. It wasn't even him in the suit. It was just him shirtless. And everybody saw how jacked and ripped he was. And everybody was like, oh, shit, and got super hype. And then on the flip side, the first time we saw Gal Gadot pictured as Wonder Woman everybody saw how she wasn't buff and then completely lost their shit in the other the opposite direction
0: <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> right i don't you know i don't need i don't need my superman to look like frank miller superman like he doesn't you know i mean i don't necessarily need it but um i do want him to come in you know coming in in shape i mean See, that's the thing. It's like a lot of people loved the Robert Pattinson Batman. I liked it. I thought he was great. I, th- I thought the movie was great. But I would like to see him beef up a little bit. Agreed. You know? Yeah.
0: It's like you got to at least look like you can do this job. With Superman, it's a little bit different. He's an alien. Yes. And, and it's, he doesn't need to be big and muscular to do what he's doing. I mean, Supergirl's nearly the same power level, and she's not big and jacked. So I mean it it does work but just in terms of giving people something to bitch about if that first picture is superman if it looks like a little guy man I hope he's got thick skin because they're going to be fucking ripping him apart on Twitter yeah on on certain angles be like this can't be superman he's not huge and it's like well he doesn't necessarily have to be huge but I totally agree with you man it, it at least at least like look like you're athletic <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to be, but it's going to be a much harder sell if that guy looks like
0: that.
3: Yeah,
2: exactly. If he looks small.
3: Yeah, it's I mean, like, you know, Robert Pattinson, I thought was a really interesting choice as Batman. And I liked his portrayal, but he also looked like he could be in a train spotting movie i'll be honest with you yeah (laughs) you know what i mean i'm just saying it man you know i mean he really did so i i'd like to see him like you know maybe bulk up a little bit like put a little bit more muscle on man you're playing fucking batman dude
2: exactly you're you're playing these you're playing these superheroes yeah these People have a certain expectation, you know. I
3: mean, look at you know, look at what what uh, Paul Rudd and Camille uh, Nagiani did with their bodies. Chris Pratt, you know, look at what they did with their bodies. They they put themselves through like this insane workout regimen, and they mm-hmm. they beefed up. And you know, like Paul Rudd, you know, for as much as he you know worked out and got in shape for that that Ant Man movie, you know, it's like, you know, I mean. You know, he popped that shirt off, had that shirtless scene. He was able to he was able to show off those abs just like the other actors. Like he put the fucking work in,
0: you know, I don't even think they gave Kumail a shirtless scene, did they? They just had him in sleeveless outfits. Yeah, I
3: know. But man, if anybody deserved a fucking shirtless scene, it was Kumail. God, I know. No kidding. It's like, man,
0: that guy worked his ass off, like completely transformed his body and you this long ass boring movie. You're not even gonna give him a shirtless scene, right? He,
2: yeah, you're right, he, he earned was the it. Most
0: boring sex on the beach scene. It would have been far sexier just seeing that guy without his shirt on.
3: Yeah, is that the truth? Fuck. <laughs> oh man, eternal. Uh, it's every. I love. I still. I am loving seeing like uh, on the internet. Like uh, you know, hours so many movies deep. Uh, post eternals and still no one is talking about this giant cel- dead celestial in the <laughs> middle of the ocean and so th- that's gonna get addressed like we already know from the leaks and stuff like that 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 is gonna get addressed in uh you know captain america new world order
2: yeah well, didn't it casually get mentioned in something else as
3: well I think so called, it was, I think it was like She-Hulk or something. It was right? She-Hulk with the newspaper or yeah or like a news blurb at the bottom of, like a ticker, one of those yeah, uh, news yeah. tickers in one of the movies possibly. Yeah, you're right. Um but uh, it looks like the the body of that celestial is made up of adamantium which is going to be like a new metal resource that governments are going to be fighting over and that's like going to be the big the uh, big I th- I honestly think that when we get introduced to Wolverine, Joe, it might be it might be a guy who just has bone claws. At this point, we might go through Weapon X, and and, and oh I, yeah, I, I had the, I've already mentioned this on the podcast that my theory was that General Ross, play, now played by Harrison Ford, is going to be the guy behind uh, Weapon X. And that makes uh, sense. I think that the first time we see fucking Wolverine in the MCU, it'd be cool to see that. Uh, you know, uh, General Ross and Wolverine mm-hmm. after, after, after the Hulk, and we get that iconic shot of fucking uh, you know, the reflection of the Hulk and the claws. Oh, that'd be sweet from the McFarlane cover, you know. so that is all I got, gentlemen. I want to thank you so much for, uh, for joining me on this episode, but uh, Dre, man. Again, where can people find you?
2: Uh, Yeah, as always, if you are a fan of wrestling, you can catch me out on uh, Podcast Championship Wrestling. It's a podcast I do with my buddies, Wayne and Andrew Doyle, where we talk about uh, wrestling and the latest happenings in WWE, AEW, and other wrestling promotions. We preview and review pay-per-views as they come and go and talk about other things. We should have a upcoming episode coming out fairly soon where we'll preview night of champions so you can check me out there outside of that you can always find me in the uh pcl facebook group pcl discord or pcw discord
3: there you go and i'm you know what i'm looking forward to with wrestling i'm looking forward to uh the next season of uh dark side of the ring may 30th on vice tv
2: yeah that is coming out and um Oh, uh, what you call it that uh show heels i think that's getting a season two coming yeah, out. yeah season
3: two is coming out i think july 28th season two of heels on stars that was a great fucking show
2: yeah yeah i've heard about it i haven't watched it but um maybe something I'll get, uh, look to check out because I did hear good things about season one season one's fantastic
3: I, I, I wasn't blown away by the first episode but man once I got deeper into the series it, it just it's, it was one of my I think it was my favorite show the year that it came out I think I did that's uh, for the tuppies I think I gave it like my top show I think I did because I fucking loved it anyway yeah. that's all I got Joe what are, we, what are we doing next week can we take it off you want to take it off next week Joe
0: i'll follow your lead (laughs) you
3: just want to take next week off and then come back for fucking spider-man
0: i mean yeah if you want to i'm game
2: no little mermaid review
0: fuck
3: no (laughs) i'll be i listen man i'm not even a I'm not even a like a like a fan of the original animated movie. <gasps> oh yeah, yeah, get over it. <laughs> I went under the sea one time when I was nine years old when I watched that movie, and I was like, okay.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't had any interest in seeing any of these Disney live-action remakes. Yeah, I would. Uh, I, I, I went and saw the Aladdin one with my with my kids, and it was like, yeah, it was it was fine, it was serviceable. But in the end, it's like, watch watch the fucking cartoon. It's so much better.
2: I I I like Aladdin. I think the only one I saw was the live-action Jungle Book remake. And I don't even know why I even went and saw that one. Like I I hadn't wrapped my head around the fact that, oh, Disney's remaking all their old stuff before. I just saw, oh, live-action Jungle Book. Cool, I'm going to go see it. And then, yeah, it was mediocre as hell. But I don't know. This one, I kind of want to support it. Because of Holly Bailey, and I think she's going to absolutely kill the role. I think she's going to nail it. But at the same time, I'm fucking 40, and it's The Little Mermaid. I'm not going to see that shit by myself <laughs> in the theater. Yeah, man. I mean. I'm not going to be that weird guy.
0: I know, right? It's like, I'm just sitting over there by myself. got my hoodie on. <laughs> right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> It, it, nothing against i mean yeah it has nothing to do with like it has nothing to do like with like the you know the casting choice anything like that it just has everything to do with the fact that yeah i'm in my 40s and it's the fucking little mermaid you're 100 percent correct that's all it is man <laughs> hey. you know i didn't watch beauty and the beast for the same fucking reason yeah. i've never even seen the animated beauty and the beast sorry not. i don't care i don't i don't fucking care that movie came out, and I think I was, like, maybe a teenager when that movie came out, man. I was yeah. like, too busy jerking off or something. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right, let's wrap this bitch up and uh, be back. Uh... Yeah, fuck it, Joe. If we, uh, You know, uh, we maybe we'll come back next week, uh, but there's a good chance we won't.
0: Let's play it by ear. I like it. <laughs>
3: playing it safe i might not want to record next week um but we'll definitely be back the the week after talking about the the next spider-man uh into what is it is it across the spider-verse
0: yes that apparently is not getting a 3d release oh i know what the fuck sony
3: i know that's that is the dumbest fucking decision i mean you're missing out on the 3d upcharge not only are is sony missing out on the 3d upcharge but like that was the best part That was one of the best parts of the movie is watching it in 3D, Joe.
0: It's the best 3D experience I've ever had was watching that first one. And I was so stoked. I was like, oh, they're probably going to re-release the first one in 3D again. So I'm going to get to go have that experience again and take my kids this time so they can have the best 3D experience ever. They're probably not even going to do that. Fucking Sony. Man, they make weird choices.
2: Exactly. If anything you think would be tailor-made for it, you would think this movie would be that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't spend extra money on 3D. We got to make fucking Craven. And and what other dumb shit movies that they're making when they should be making a 3D Spider-Man movie? Like, get out of here.
3: Uh, Morbius, too.
0: <laughs> mm. You know it's probably going to happen. No, which is the craziest part that they might actually be dumb enough to do that.
3: Oh my god. Well, they were dumb enough to re-release it in the theaters with all the memes thinking that exactly. they actually had something hot on their hands. So.
0: <laughs> People really like it. That's is hot online. It's yeah. like you don't get it at all, do you?
3: You don't get it. That's not it. People. Oh, God. Not how this works. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So let's wrap this fucker up. We'll see you uh, possibly next week. Uh, if not, we'll see you in two. And uh, yeah, just like Chuck Woolery, two and two. Chuck, Wool- it's the kids don't get that reference, the Chuck Woolery, do they, Joe?
2: No, for sure. Yeah. Kids have no idea who the fuck Chuck Woolery is. Man, yeah, they missed out.
3: They missed out. Anyway, and uh, until next, ne- uh, until next, until next week, we're putting what? a lid yeah. on. Oh, Jesus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations! I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it.
1: Ready like seven million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before We don't wanna be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps by the cool
0: kids. It, it, it's a trap. Gonna
1: to toss it, gonna to taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can embrace it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party, subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. over, culture pushovers, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover. Yeah. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing That is Pop culture leftovers. toss it good and taste it do we love it hey let's race it can't erase it let's embrace tougher wear party subculture spill over like a vulture carry over counterculture, culture push over pop culture left over and with the uncool kids what's to say has already been said left over yeah. pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture left over It, gonna taste it, do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carryover over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said? Leftovers. Pretty sure. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.